Guess what, cinephiles? I've just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S., so you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN. Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They're on ExpressVPN. So you can, you can gain access to like thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to the stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using ExpressVPN. And it's incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S to get three extra months completely free. Hello, Cinephiles fans. Uh, we're getting together for some very sad news today. Uh, we heard about the passing of the great Burt Reynolds. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, little imitation of him. I like it. A tribute, if you yeah, will. Yeah, a tribute, yes. Very much. Um, and, and we are actually planning on doing something special for Mr. Reynolds. But mm -hmm. we thought just today, because it, it just happened, we would re-release an old episode of ours, yeah. which is uh, Boogie Nights, which we recorded with the great Michael Grant Terry as our guest. Yes. And it's a really fun episode. And this is really the resurgence of Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And so we thought it would be a nice thing to kind of put it out um, today and uh, to think about just sort of that moment that Burt Reynolds came back. Yeah, it was a surprising thing because, you know, I grew up with Burt Reynolds as, as well as you yeah. did, Steve. I'm sure we, we grew up with Burt Reynolds in our lives and saw his progression from, like, you know, number one movie star to doing these kind of forgettable comedies in the 80s and then getting kind of, kind of forgotten a bit, then ending up on TV doing Evening Shade and then disappearing again, kind of, and then popping up in something like Boogie Nights with this incredible uh, role written for him by Paul Thomas Anderson and... Um, of course, all the controversy around that as well, where yeah. people thought he was going to win that Oscar, but then he shot his mouth off about how Oscars are, don't mean anything or it's not that big of a deal. And many people thought that that affected the well, and, uh, overall and bad vote. badmouths the film on some level. Yeah, he so. badmouthed the film. That's right. He badmouthed the film yeah. and, and what have you and said, a glorified porn or something like that. It was just like, yeah. Well, and for, and for me, I'm sure it was the same for you, is he was 
when when I was a kid, the biggest star there was. Yeah. And then he's the first person that I witnessed have a downfall. Oh yeah. Where it just was like, and you know, I'm starting high school or something, and this right. person who was an icon yeah. was a joke. Yeah. You know, and that's such a strange. And of course, now you know, being an old man, I've seen this happen <laughs> over and over and over again. That in fact, you don't get to stay at the top very right. long. Very few people do. Right. And. um to see him have that great comeback in this film is just is really special. Yeah, it was, and and this is, and the reason why is because of um, time heals everything, right? And I think he kind of came into his looks as an older man as well. I think yeah. that transition from hot ass dude in his twenties and thirties right. into the older forties with the curled hair and the mustache and everything, it oh, felt like mustache. you were watching your dad, whereas yep. you were, as opposed to watching that cool dude who at any moment could get on a motorcycle and like tear ass down the street. Right. Now you're looking at your dad with the members only jacket walking into the club thinking he's the cool guy at the end of the bar when he really is out of place. And it was just a weird transition how quickly that happened too. And then you get to Boogie Nights and yeah, he's the cool guy again. He's the cool guy again, right? Yeah, and the, the gravitas hair well he brings done. to that role and the, yeah. and the warmth and the intelligence he brings to this because the patience as an oh, actor yeah, yeah. I, I think without him that i mean that movie is filled with phenomenal performances sure. but he's the linchpin in a lot of ways he's the anchor of that movie i absolutely totally totally agree it's not Wahlberg; it's him yeah yeah um and so and, you know we're, we're, we're talking about what film to do yeah and we decided to do something that the cinephiles has never done which is we are going to release this episode and we would like to leave it up to you yeah so we have narrowed it down to two films um, and those films are The Longest Yard and Deliverance. Yeah. Two incredibly different movies, yeah. two incredibly different sides of yeah. Burt Reynolds. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a poll up on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, and we'll both release it through uh, my Twitter address, SR yeah. Morris, mm -hmm. and at the Broca Says. And it'll mm -hmm. be on our Facebook page. Yeah. And you get to pick between Longest Yard and Deliverance. Yeah. And we'll compile them and then we'll have an authentic winner. Yes, and then we'll uh, talk about we'll do a cinephiles on that, uh, on that on the winner, and we'll hopefully record this uh, early next week. Yeah, post it at the end of next week, and maybe we'll get Lonnie Anderson to come on oh. the show. Oh. Man, in oh. 1979, watching Listen, WKRP in Cincinnati, and I was nothing says <laughs> you're the hottest guy in the world that you you marry Lonnie Anderson. She was the hottest thing back then. Particularly when I was 12 years old. That was, <laughs> yes. There was nothing better than that. What was her name on the show again? Do you remember? I don't. I don't either. I, I keep thinking Hot Lips uh, no, from MASH, from but Mash, that was no. not her name. No, no, no. No, I remember Les Nesman, and Les I remember Nesman. Dr. Johnny Fever. Yes, and Herb Tarlick. <laughs> I remember a lot of names, but I don't remember Lonnie Anderson's name. Well, we've digressed. I we apologize. have, and I think we should we should, we should, should bring it back to yes. actually a movie that takes place at exactly the same era yes. as WKRP in Cincinnati, yes. but has an entirely different tone, and that is the fantastic Paul Thomas Anderson's second film, Boogie Nights, with our special guest on The Cinephiles, Michael Grant Terry. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hey guys, it's John Roca. I am a voiceover artist and host of numerous shows here around town in Los Angeles and occasionally an actor. 
I don't know why you always put the occasionally on Because that. I don't do as much of that as I did before, so I do more voiceover and That's more hosting true. than I did. In the US, I, I don't know. I kind, of, I kind of feel like once an actor, always an actor. And, and, and speaking of actors, we're very lucky to have as our guest Michael Grant Terry, who is a little more than occasionally an actor. And in fact, just finished up a very long stint on Bones. How long were you on that show? Nine years. Nine years on Bones. Yes. You also might have seen him. By the way, he plays Wendell on Bones. You also might have seen him on Criminal Minds. And if you happen to watch my film, The Assistance, uh, he plays Carl. On <laughs> Hell yeah, that's where we met. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, what's it like finishing up a show after nine years? It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's one of those shows that you, you didn't think it would ever come to an end because we kept getting renewed season after season after season. We were the little train that could. But um, it's wonderful. I'm glad that we were able to end it on a note that the fans wanted it to end. And... Uh, we were able to wrap it up in a good way. Um, it, and does your life have like just a weird empty space in it now? You know, it feels good actually. It feels yeah. like renewing and relieving and, and relieving in a good way. Like, like I'm excited to enter the next chapter. And what is the next chapter? Uh, who knows? Drinking, smoking. <laughs> no, uh, the next chapter is, well, right now I shot an Amazon pilot that hopefully will get picked up in, in March called the legend of master legend. But honestly, it's exploring different aspects of myself as an actor who's been on a show for nine years and kind of breaking out of that shell and finding sure. new, new things. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and speaking of new things, uh, this movie is, I don't know if it's a new thing exactly, but it's the first time with a new director. Uh, we finally get into Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. It's an amazing, I think one of the most uh, unique directors of the last 20 years. And Great. we have, I think, the movie that where he really hit it, all, hit it mm-hmm. which is Boogie Nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 1997, and it's a movie about. It's one of those movies where if you if you read what this movie was about, I think a lot of people would say, "I don't know if I'm interested in that." Right. And yet, almost everybody was interested in that. Yeah, I, I remember when it came out; it was such a big deal. People were like protesting, trying to make it an X-rating film. You know, there was a whole kind of things going on in the 90s because this is right at the nadir, I would say, of the independent film movement that was that had come on through Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, and well, of course, Sex Lies and Videotape kind of really kicked it off, and so. This when this happened, it was like one of the best ones to come out during that time period. And interesting, it's before Darren Aronofsky as well, right? Because I, oh, I had yeah. to look back and I was yeah. like, "Is this before Pi Requiem for a Dream?" Because there's a lot of stuff I think that Aronofsky uses from yep. this. Absolutely. And I was like, "Wait a minute, this is before that even." Yeah. Like, I'd kind of forgotten that. Well, he comes so fully formed mm-hmm. in this movie as a director. It's mm-hmm. just, it's it, he lays it right right off from the opening shot, mm-hmm. lays it out. So 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 let me ask you, Mike, how did you first come to this film? Man, I was trying to think about that, and I think I came to it getting ready to go to film school, getting ready to go to Emerson. I had been, oh, wow. I had just found this film. It's like maybe my junior in high school, and I became obsessed with it. And this is one of the movies that made me want to go to film school. Wow. What about you? Oh, uh, I I saw it like in the theaters when it came out. I probably went with a couple of friends to go see it at the time, uh, probably down in Tallahassee in Florida State, uh, and enjoyed it there. And I remember being just blown away by it because of the subject material. And the way they were able to make you care about these characters in a way that you hadn't seen before, and it took—it's a cult status type film. Like people, like I remember reading a, uh, a an oral history right. on, on yeah. Grantland. Grantland, yeah, yeah. The oral history on this is phenomenal. So good. Oh, wow. yeah. The amount of people that, that. Oh, they it's, got. It's great. It's all yeah. the quotes from everybody just just put in order. Yeah. Um, of everyone who's working on the, the film. The producers, actors, yeah. most of the actors, wow. and all and the screenwriters, the casting, PAs, I mean, PAs, yeah, right? Yeah. All the people involved, and how many people, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, like what it was like to have him coming on at this stage in his career, like so much in that. So. Get, as I've gotten older, there's an appreciation for this film that wasn't there when I initially saw it. Yeah. And, and what is that? Where do people, if they want to find that? It's Grantland. Just yeah. type in Boogie Nights and Oral History of uh, 
uh, Boogie Nights and Oral, oral History of Boogie Nights on Grantland. I'll yeah, I wish I'd take Grantland.com. Yeah. It's long. It's, yeah, the, and the uh, the website went down, like it's defunct, but you can still see the old articles. Right, gotcha. So they, they don't put any new ones up, because Bill Simmons started that off of ESPN, and he has The Ringer now, but Grantland was the one that he started, and they had great pop culture stuff, and this was one of the best things they ever did. So, so one thing I, I want to say before we really dig into Boogie Nights, and, and this just feels a little bit weird for me because we've done lots of movies where we've talked in depth about violence. Mm-hmm. We talked about how does Martin Scorsese approach violence versus Quentin Tarantino or Francis Ford Coppola right. or the Coen brothers. And I had no awkwardness whatsoever discussing people getting shot and stabbed <laughs> and killed. <laughs> and yet I feel like maybe I do have some awkwardness about people having sex and nudity and pornography. And that's, first of all, that is really fucked up just that from the beginning but i do feel like i need to give out a little bit of a warning i mean pretty much i think everyone who's this far would get it but like we're going to talk about sex and pornography and prostitution and these issues that some people do get pretty uncomfortable with and like i said i'm more uncomfortable talking about sex than i am talking about violence and that's kind of a strange thing the one thing about this film though i think you hit on it john a second ago is the characters and how defined everybody is yeah. for me kind of erases that this movie is about porn a little right. bit and, and erases that uh, uncomfortability because the characters are so in-depth and so defined and such real people mm-hmm. it's interesting for me because of that and I, I kind of forget about the porn aspect which we spoke about a little yeah, bit Judge, but, you, you, you said I don't think about this movie as a movie about porn I think about it as a movie about family yeah. oh That's, interesting I 100% agree yeah. oh wow yeah. I don't see it that way I see it as a film about a guy pursuing his dreams and what happens when he gets too full of himself and how he has to come back down and then appreciates the journey and appreciates what he achieved, but the family thing absolutely. So it's yeah. it's a perspective of what you what you take out of it. Well, there's know? no question to me that it is that both of what you said is true. I yeah. agree. I think both yeah. of those yeah. are true. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is a classic rock star yeah. movie yeah. of you know, guy comes from nowhere, gets too big for his britches, has a horrible crash, and then has to you know return back to his roots. Yeah, it's that story, but it, and it's also the story about family. And I hate to break it to you, it's also a story about porn. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and what's funny, I listen to the- And a very large cock. Yes. And a very large cock. I'm ready to shoot now, Jack. It's my <laughs> <only> cock. <laughs> um, I need to take a moment. <laughs> it's also, well, it's funny. It's like, if you listen, I listen to the commentary track. Oh, And yeah. one of the things, first of all, one of the things I love, the very first thing that PTA, I think we could refer yeah. to him yeah, as that, sure. says on the commentary track is, I'm really happy to be doing a commentary track because half of what I learned about making movies, I learned from stealing from other people's commentary tracks. Yes. <laughs> wow. And that's how I feel too. Yeah. Like, this is the place, not that everything that's on a commentary track is true, mm-hmm. but... You get to hear the thought process of the director. Or usable. Or usable. Yeah. yeah. Especially a Schwarzenegger commentary track. Yeah. <laughs> Which are well, the those, have their, those have their own special, those special charm. I know what I'm doing tonight. That sounds <laughs> great. Tell you. But the other thing about uh, the, the way he talks about this film is he is fascinated about porn and the mm. porn world. Uh, P- PTA, he grew up in the Valley, so he yeah. saw a lot of these people, you know, as you do if you live here, going to the store and going to the, you know, the restaurant. And, the, you know, he, he was aware of that. But the way that he is fascinated about it is completely non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. There's no, and that's what's true of the movie as well, mm-hmm. is that he knows a lot about the history of pornography, and there's a lot that's in this film that comes from real events, particularly the life of John Holmes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also uh, you know, all sorts of articles and things and stories he's read, and he watched a lot of porn yeah. in order to watch to make this film, mm-hmm. but 
there's never anything dirty about his feelings about it. There's no judgment of it there's either, no I don't think, which I think is what's, what's so beautiful about it is that this really is a movie about life. And in that life, it happens to be porn. You know, my yeah. occupation is an actor. These their occupations is porn, yeah. and and I think that he highlights that. Please, they are actors. <laughs> Excuse me, especially Buck. He's, He's an, an actor. actor. <laughs> yeah, but I think that I love that he was fascinated uh, of this as a child, mm. and that this is the culmination of. I mean, he made the, the Dirk Diggler story in high school, I think. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that so so yeah. what you're talking about yeah. it's based on a short film documentary right. that he made in high school. Which talk about precocious man. Yeah. Not only was he making films as a kid, but he went, I'm going to make a mockumentary about pornography in high school and about a bisexual por- uh, por- right, uh, yeah. porno star which yeah. didn't make it into this movie right. completely but like it was pretty out there for that time period i think mm-hmm. to yeah. have gone that the, the 80s yeah, right? the, yeah, yeah, 80s. yeah. He said 88 yeah 88, 88. Wow. Oh, wow yeah um yeah that's a that's a crazy thing and he from if you listen to him uh he is so like calm mm-hmm. i would say calm in his arrogance or maybe confidence is that he would just walk up to people and say i want to work with you you know that and 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 i'm going to go make movies and there was never a sense of oh maybe i can't do this i mean mm-hmm. he's a kid out of nowhere and he just said yeah i'm going to do this and strangely enough he could and he looked like a child too apparently yeah. everyone kept saying he's who's this 16 year old pitching me this movie about porn what the fuck yeah. you know well, and, and the, I mean, it's amazing to me. His requirements for doing the film were, because he had made Hard Eight and had a lot of, yeah. which, which, by the way, I've never seen. It's I, a I've, good film. I have, but I don't remember it very well. Yeah. Um, I, I would put it akin to Blood Simple. It is that yeah, kind of, okay. you, see, you see what's coming. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's a well-written, taut film. But you see what's coming next, how he's going to expand as an artist. But he lost a lot of power on that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't have a final cut. And I think it really pissed him off, right? From what I've read. No, that's, and and what he says when he went into, what is it, New Line? Is that who did this? Yeah. I think it's New Line. Yeah. When he went into meetings with them, he said, it's going to be three hours long. It's going to be NC 17. Right. And he just, and that's it because of experience with Heart Eight. And they finally came back to him and said, look, you can have one of those. Either it's R-rated, and then it could be three hours, or you can have NC-17, but then it's got to be shorter. <laughs> and he finally goes, okay, I guess I'll make it R-rated. And it ended up coming in about 240, so, mm-hmm. so he didn't quite go to three hours. But just the arrogance mm-hmm. of that, or the confidence, I don't know which one it is. I think some people amazing. just built that way. Some yeah. people just built without that extra thing that goes, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. You know, I've seen those people, and they're, they're marvelous to watch in action, because you're like, I don't understand this. How can you just do what no one else can do in this moment or, or, or st- is stopped by this thing in their head that goes, no, no, this isn't how things are done. You, right, can't, you can't actually do that. Do that. Yeah. But some people are built without that, that, uh, that filter between them. He's also surrounds himself with other people that are like that. Like yeah. his, his editor, I don't think has edited, had edited a yeah. single movie before this yeah. in, in its entirety. Yeah. This is his first full movie. His composer, I believe, also this is one of his first oh, movies. Really? Um, who is actually Sean Penn's brother. Right, his composer of this. Oh, wow. uh, the composer of this, who is who plays the engineer. He plays the yep. engineer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think surrounding yourself with other people with that confidence or arrogance, I think, yeah. helped make this movie because it's not just him. I remember when I was in film school, I was like, Paul Thomas Anderson, man, only he can do everything himself. No one else yeah. is like him. But surrounding yourself with these other people, I think, that have that same confidence and that same drive yeah. is what created this movie. Well, and he has an eye for people, and we're gonna. This is one of the great ensemble casts yeah. of all time. Yes. And he has an eye for people. Like he sees John C. Riley in a couple things and says, "Not only do I want to work with that guy for the rest of my life, but I." want him to be my best friend Mm -hmm. and apparently that's kind of what happens (laughs) um and john c Riley is so peculiar as an actor Mm -hmm. and so amazing and and, in all sorts of movies but Mm -hmm. obviously in this one you're watching him going 
what is he doing? Yeah. I've never seen an actor do things like what he does. And so not a porn star yeah. either. Like when you look at him, I'm like, that's, I mean, maybe an 80s porn star, I guess. But right. still, he's not, he doesn't fit that mold exactly. Well, I got to say, I've, and in this, you know, I don't know how to bring it up exactly, but I have actually seen porn. Okay. And, and what? Yes, I have. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I have seen some porn from this particular era. Yes. When I was coming into a certain time in my life sure. when I wanted to see pornography. It was in the early 80s, sure. so it's pretty close to what this time yeah. is. You're talking Kay Parker, Nina Hartley. I don't you're talking know. Long John. You're talking with these names. John Holmes. <laughs> um, you're talking. I saw all of them. All these, yeah. And I and, and Z- Xavier Hollander. Yeah, you're talking all these people. Yeah, and so and you know what? They weren't necessarily the John best Holmes is not us. really the you best know? looking person. I think no. actually John C. Riley is an excellent. You're right. Actually, I take that back. <laughs> you know? I take that back. I'm gonna walk that. Yeah. Back. <laughs> He's an excellent representation of film porn, not VHS porn, what they get into. Right. Well, yeah. Yes. Now I'm like running through porn. (laughs) So one of the things we should talk about it before, and then I want to really dig into just Mm -hmm. the movie as a whole, Mm -hmm. is that, because I I feel like we need to talk about porn a little bit, which is that porn has always led the technological revolution. Yes. And that when photography first gets invented, one of the first thing they take pictures of is naked women. Mm-hmm. When film first mm-hmm. gets invented, one of the first things people want to see moving are naked people. And that at this moment, what drives the because we're right at this very strange moment in history in the mid-70s where porn moved into popular culture. It used mm-hmm. to be before this point that there were stag films. Yeah. And a stag film was something that was, you know, men got and they kept to themselves and they and it was, mm-hmm. you know, people had like blindfolds orders over their eyes. And there was this very strange thing. And then there's this moment in the early 70s with Deep Throat and with right. the rise of Playboy and uh, behind the green door and the Playboy clubs and all these things that went. It's cool and elegant for sophisticated people to be into pornography. And suddenly everybody went to see uh, porn movies and yeah. this is before VHS mm-hmm. it was the only way to see it was in a movie theater mm-hmm. and what had before been this secret thing that you nobody talked about became this thing that was popular and part of pop culture and that's the moment that we that we joined the film which is is such an interesting moment of time it's also at the end of the sexual revolution mm-hmm. that begins in the 60s with uh, female empowerment there are all these movements happening and also the rise in certain kinds of drug culture mm-hmm. that led to this moment in the late 70s in the disco era that is like the peak mm-hmm. and that's where we join the film mm-hmm. what's great about the film is that you get you it captures this moment in time that really was brief it was not like this extensive three decades of making these kinds of things. It was a few years, and it hit its peak, and then it it shot downward so quickly with the advent of, of VCRs and yeah. the video camera, the camera. To do it that quick, the quality went right out the window. And I think that's why the film works so well for me is it's more than just about porn, right? It's about... The idea of technology, the advent, and everything changes, right? The idea of tastes, differing tastes, going from one decade to the other, you all of a sudden become irrelevant. We talked about this in Singing in the Rain. The yeah. idea of going, yes. from, from, going from, from silent to speak to speaking films, talking films, people lost their careers. And the same thing mm-hmm. happened with porn. Like, that's the thing. It's basically the film. The film is about the film industry, basically. Way, and that's what I love about it. I haven't researched this, but I believe that this is the first ever comparison between <laughs> Singing in the Rain and, and Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. <laughs> and yet, I think you're 100%. <laughs> What's also great is that it, it, 
that structure that happens is what forms the structure of the film. Yeah, exactly. You know, which is so fantastic is yeah. he doesn't have to write the structure of this film. The eighties hit, yep. the movies change, the movie changes right. completely, you mm-hmm. know, whereas that small period of time at the end of the seventies, it's wonderful and it's grand. And it's where the film starts. Yeah. Well, let's well, let's, so let's get into where the film starts. Okay. First of all, it starts with a remarkable shot, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. opening shots is really important in a film because I don't know. There's this experience. I had a theater teacher who once said that it's the most one of the most important moments in a play is the first genuine laugh from the audience mm. because when you go in to see a play, you, the first thing you feel is a little nervous. It's like, how's this going to be? Am I going to like this? And that when you have that first genuine real laugh in a play, you go, okay, we're going to be all right. Mm. The opening shot of a movie is a very similar thing, is that that's what tells you whether or not you can be confident in the filmmaker. And this opening shot makes you go, oh, yeah, we're in for something. Because it is a big, sweeping tracking shot that starts in this weird angle, floats down over a marquee that says Boogie Nights, moves inside of a club, and we Mm. see all of these characters moving around. And we get introduced with to half the characters in our film. Right. You know, we get we meet Burt Reynolds, John C. Uh, John C. Riley, Riley Roller Julianne Girl, Moore, Roller Girl, yeah. uh, Heather Graham, Luis Guzman, Luis Guzman, yeah. who I love, Luis yeah, Guzman. Yeah. Um, and we get to see Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. playing playing Eddie Adams when we start, who's yeah. working at a dishwasher at this club, and we get introduced to this fabulous, exciting world of the late seventies. Yeah. So, do you know how that shot was done? No, tell me. It's I a mean, crane I, shot. I mean, it's a crane shot with, with a steady, steady cam, cam operator guy. That's on what it, I figured. and mm. then he steps off of it. And actually, one of the um, ADs on Bones was a PA on the show oh, uh, in, in Boogie Nights. He's actually in um, one of the Dirk Diggler, uh, Brock Landers movies. He gets <laughs> nice. a, a bottle smashed over his head. His name is Jocko. Hello, Jocko, if you're listening. Um, and he told me that they had ADs on either side of the Steadicam up slapping people's legs with a ruler to move them out of the way so oh. they would keep dancing and not turn to look at the camera but know that when their legs were slapped, they would have to move oh, to the side smart. so the Steadicam oh, could come through. These are, see, these are the smart things that people don't know you have to do <laughs> right. to make this stuff work. Yeah. Um, uh, and, it, and it's a great shot of introducing our characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, but I, I, maybe as we go along, as they have great scenes, I want to take one character at a time sure. and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Burt Reynolds. Okay. <sighs> He's so great in this movie. And he hated the movie. Yeah. He's uh, such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> such an idiot. He blew the Oscar. For, yeah, because before, he was so angry about Because he was shit-talking yeah. the film. Yeah. He blew the Oscar, and he deserved it because he is. this is the best he's been since his heyday in the 70s. Yeah. This was the best he's ever done. And you remember why he was such a star when you watch this film. But So this goes back to the family for me about, yeah. about the movie. He's like the father he's figure. Dead. He's Absolutely. dad. Absolutely. He's dad, and he is so kind and so genuine and so... Strong. Strong. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, immediately from the, the first moment you see him sitting at that table commanding that table. Yeah. And he has that perfect salt and pepper hair yeah. that is just a perfectly cropped facial perfect hair. Perfect outfit. He wears yeah. a scarf outfit. later. You know, it's like, he's just so put together and solid. And it's fun. What we have to remember is that Burt Reynolds, in his time, is the biggest star in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's the biggest star in the world for three or four or five years. Yeah. And, and, and what's always interesting, with very few exceptions, nobody stays the biggest star in the world for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, yeah. usually a very brief moment at the top, and then your movies start to get silly, and then people start to reject you, and maybe people t- are talking more about your personal life than mm-hmm. they're talking about your life life, and then you can't get work, and you go into Hollywood jail. And Burt Reynolds had certainly gone into Hollywood jail, and when he comes back in this film, it is so, it's like welcoming back this old friend. It's mm-hmm. interesting, too, you trust him. 
Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I like it's not that character could have been so sleazy and slimy, and you would have been like, "Who's this guy going up to Eddie and and asking and saying I, I have a feeling there's something magical in those pants?" You know, whatever he says to him. I got a feeling, but those jeans are so wonderful. Just waiting to get out. And you that ch- is an incredibly creepy line. It's a very <laughs> creepy line. But he says it, and you're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, and you said this before, and I think this is so key. There is no judgment in this movie. Right. These are perfectly good people who are trying to do a perfectly reasonable job. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no sense of, ooh, what they're doing is kind of gross. Right. There are moments where it becomes gross. Right. But... It's not from us. There's no judgment from us. Right. The judgment exists in the film from outside their world. You know what Julianne Moore deals with, with her husband or with her, yes. with her child? There's all, with, right. There's other Cheadle people deals judging with, them. Right. Absolutely. The, Absolutely. Every, all the judgment is outside, is outside them in the film, but the way he portrayed Paul Thomason Anderson shoots them and does these scenes... There's no judgment from the audience in a And you don't way. side with those outside people. No, exactly. You hate, no, they're horrible. You hate I mean. Buck's boss in his, in his uh, yes. stereo store. Yep. You hate Dirk's mom. Oh, God. Yes. I mean, like, you hate these people. The great uh, Joanna Gleason. There you go. Nailed it. There you go. I don't need to look at it. Yeah, you don't need any IMDb. It's always in here. <laughs> so after we have that inter- interaction, we find out that Mark Wahlberg's character, Eddie Adams, might have something special in his pants. Yeah. Uh, we go back to see him at his home and the first thing we see and I just have to talk about it is this long panning shot around his bedroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that panning shot is amazing. It's so good. Because it is Bruce Lee and it is Race Cars. Race Cars. Mm-hmm. Um, which Al Pacino movie is it? It's a uh... Is it Scarface or is it Serpico? Serpico. Serpico. Yes. Serpico. Yeah, and it's all, it's like, yes, I know every single thing mm-hmm. that's in the room. He does little uh, uh, martial arts moves. Karate. Yeah, yeah. karate. <laughs> karate. And then we go out and meet his lovely mother, Joanna Gleason. Right. And she is horrible. Mm. It is so painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'll do something. You can't do anything. You're a loser. You'll always be a loser. You, you couldn't even finish high school because you were so stupid. So what are you going to do? I'll do something. I'll do it. You know what? I'll go somewhere and I'll do something. Maybe I'll run away and you can never uh, find me. Oh, I had Fuck that little girl. Oh, what do you think you're doing? I'm getting my stuff. You think that's your stuff? That's not your stuff. You didn't pay for it. That is not your stuff because you didn't pay for it. Stupid. None of this is yours. This. You leave here. You leave with what you've got. Nothing. And what's funny too, and this is one of the things that's amazing about this movie, I t- I like smart people. I like smart. I love. I've talked about it in the podcast before. I love to see intelligence in films. I love people who can make the great speech, who can say, use wonderful words, yeah. hear great dialogue. These are not smart people. <laughs> and no, it, and it's incredibly portrayed in the in the. I, we're not there yet, but the fight when they. Uh, you're stupid. You're so stupid. And yeah. you say, I'm not. I'm great. You don't know what I can do. You don't know what I can do, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to be. You don't know I'm good. I have good things that you don't know about. No. And I'm going to be something. I am. Don't you fucking you tell me I'm not. Anything. Don't hurt me. And you don't talk to me. No. No, that dialogue, I don't know if it's written, but it's so fantastically mm-hmm. Dumb. Dumb. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. If you saw it on page, I'm not, I'm going to be something, I'm going to be someone, you just wait and see. I'm not stupid. You and are like, so stupid. Like it's, and, and, and it's so, they're, they're, they perfectly emphasize the wrong syllable in the word. Yes. Right? They perfectly say, can't find the right word to say. <laughs> right. They stumble in just the right way. Exactly. And you could tell that he doesn't have a plan. Right. You no. know, like, it, it just doesn't. And so let's talk about him. Let's talk about Mark Wahlberg. So, I mean, coming off of Mark, this is coming off 
Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mm-hmm. Coming up all the people may I because I remember this distinctly. This is my mid twenties. I remember people making fun of the fact that they cast him as the lead, that he wasn't going to be able to do it. No one thought he'd ever real shot it. And he blew people's minds with I still consider this the best thing he's ever I done. I agree. And just just pure as an actor. You're watching him completely believable through the whole film because he's still discovering how to be an actor himself and you see that purity in all the scenes and Paul Thomas does a great job of finding those right takes and the editor as well of finding the right takes of him in purity. You you just enjoy him all the way through. And and he's believable in a very unique way. Yes. It's that, it's that normally with young actors or inexperienced actors, they're going to usually make a down-the-middle choice. You know what I mean? They're going to make a straight ahead. Yeah, good point. I'm going to say yeah. what I'm going to say. And he doesn't do that. And the other thing that young actors and particularly actors that want to be movie stars, and I would guess people who come off of being musicians in other places where they're rock stars and things like that, mm. they don't want to look bad. You know, and there's no que- he has no problem looking bad or looking foolish or looking dumb throughout this film. It's mm. it's it's like earnest almost. He's yeah. very earnest and he's very he, he believes everything he says. Yeah. Which I mean, that's so simple to say that, but I truly believe that he just wants to do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe that's Mark Wahlberg or maybe that's, that's what, Eddie. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah like, he does a great he job. Wants, he wants to succeed and much like his character, he mm-hmm. wants to become a movie star. Yeah, right. You know? And, and, and it's wheels within see, wheels type stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and of course doesn't see that maybe this isn't the best pathway, but but mm. clearly he has this potential yeah. in his pants. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, what are the and this is one of the interesting things I felt watching it this time is that he does a great job, PTA does a great job of making you want to see what's in his pants. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want to see the penis fairly early in the film because of the way everyone's talking about it. Now, I'm a heterosexual man, and that's not my normal thing that I want to take a look at, but the film makes you want to... It's just like if you're carrying around a, a briefcase and everyone goes, oh, we got to get what's in that briefcase, I'm going to want to see what's in the briefcase. Pulp fiction. And of course, they withhold it uh, naturally. And so, so he has this big fight with his mom. He says, I'm going to be special. I'm going to be important. I know I am. Right. And then he goes back to the club and sees Jack and kind of goes, I'm in. And Jack invites him back to his house, and then we get to meet. Uh, we've already met her, but let's talk about Heather Graham and yeah. Wallerdale. You know, I have to comment on this. There's speaking of his giant cock. The scene when Heather yeah, Graham. Speaking of, yep. speaking of it, uh, the scene when Heather Graham, when he gives a test, when when Bert sends her in the, yeah. the bathroom to unzip his pants, there is a sound moment when you just hear go. <sighs> When yeah. she goes down, and it's like, oh my gosh, like her eyes, and then you hear this sound, and you're like, that is the best like transition of. No-. You're like, oh, I know, that's crazy. Well, and this is part of this thing that I'm saying, where he's making us want to see want. it, yeah. because because even just a little change in facial expression from mm-hmm. her yes. as she sees it exactly. is like mm-hmm. something important here. Yeah. Um, and then we come back to the house. We have more conversation. What do you think of Roller Girl? She's great. Yeah. Would you like to do it? Have sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. She's, she's really foxy. No, I bet your ass she is. You're officially out of limes, Jack. Well, I'll pick up some for you tomorrow, son. Come, 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 come here, darling. I want you to go over there and sit on the couch with Eddie. Here we go. Are we going to fuck? Oh, yes. <sighs> Are we going to fuck? Are we going to do it? Are we yeah. going to do it right now? No. You know? Yeah. Burt Reynolds says yes, and Roller Girl takes off his clothes, and we have this sex scene and, what's, and what they do is they immediately cut to Burt Reynolds and mm-hmm. have the slow push in. And the expression on his face is so, it is amazing acting. Yeah. Because it's sort of neutral. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
but but you could see the little gleam in his eye of like, oh. I know what I have here. I have yes. something special. Yeah, yeah, yes. I have something special here. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure a coach gets those faces too yeah, exactly. when they see an athlete. Exactly. I'm not going to give it away. I don't want yeah. him to know what right. I have here because he's sitting right there doing right. his thing, but I know I got something special. You got something special. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a remarkable scene. Heather's fantastic. I mean, it's obviously this film made her. Oh, yeah. And she, she went and did Austin Powers, and she occasionally pops up and stuff, and you love her, and what, you know, and she does terrible movies, but then she'll be like in The Hangover and stuff. She has, she will always have goodwill with me because of what she does in this film. It is a difficult, for much people, it's a difficult role to play to make her innocent. And then when the transition happens with her later in the character, she's so powerful oh. when her dreams are betrayed, when her innocence is lost, fully lost. Yeah. It is so so devastating it's to so watch. devastating to watch her in the classroom when yes she, when oh the, yes the, the, that exactly. guy is doing the I love this like, cock face or right. I don't know how else you would explain that on a podcast the, yeah. the, the blowjob face the blowjob yeah, face yes. yeah. and, and I, the teacher even in that honey sweetie you okay yeah sweetie you okay every one of these small characters in this movie has it's fully formed to me mm-hmm. oh you, yeah you completely get them mm-hmm. and just seeing her face skating out of there and knowing that she's never returning to that education, that real, that real technical world, right. is is devastating. Well, and yeah. she's a kid. What's it? She's completely fully formed with very few lines. Yeah, she says very little. She's a constant presence throughout this film. There's this unbelievably bizarre choice that she never takes roller skates off. Yeah, her only name is Roller Girl. I mean, right. maybe you hear her real name at some point. I don't know. That guy says it to her in the limo later. Oh, oh yeah, he says that's you right. don't remember. You're, he says her name because he's like, that's high not school me. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Very hard to go past her surface, you know, and that makes her kind of mysterious and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And she seems, and this is the thing that uh, PTA says in the commentary track is he met these girls that are in the porn industry that he called I'm okay girls, which is how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. And they would never share anything deeper. Hmm. Um, and he always went, man, I think there's something scary in there yeah. that hmm. we don't get to get to. And that's what he wanted to do with Roller Girl is that it's this I'm okay girl. I'm okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Hmm. And then hmm. it's not okay. Yeah, I know someone like that. Yeah, and that's just how it is. They like constantly... No, everything's fine. Everything's fine. it's all fine. It's fine. I can handle it. It's fine. It put they put on the smiley face and they they act a certain way. But underneath, there's an incredible wealth of pain and incredible that they cannot access because if they access it, they're going to shut down completely. And some people know that about themselves. You know what I'm saying? And I think you saw that with her in the high school scene because what she's doing in her mind, and we are we watch it. We know what porn is, but what she's doing when she's doing it is an innocent way of being loved by people for who she is, for, for something she can give. She's not being judged in this world. She's not being judged and found deficient. No. And so when she goes to high school, that's where she finds a deficiency. Right. When she meets that jerk off in the limo later on, that's where she finds deficiency. Judgment. She wants to be loved and accepted. That's it. And that, whenever she's not, is you can see the devastation, especially in the limo scene. Oh, yeah. The, the, well, and this goes back to what you said about this is a family, is that we've met the patriarch. Yeah. We've met a sister. You yeah. Know, and that, now Julianne Moore. And we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to meet Julianne Moore, who's mom. Yeah. yeah. She's the mother in the family. Yeah. yeah. And in a, in a film of off-the-charts great performances, <sighs> hers is... Hers might be about might the best, most amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, her and Phil Seymour Hoffman. I have to. I have to. Say. Well, that's. I mean, we'll too. get to that too. But, but I mean, she the the journey that she goes on with both drugs and with being taking on that role of being a mother and not having her actual biological child yeah. in the picture anymore. It's fantastic. I mean, well, and it is frail and strong and uh, unpredictable and emotional and yeah. comforting and. All over the place. It's, and sexy, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's all over the place. And real and believable. I mean, I think yeah. that, like, uh, the reason why she ended up doing the first porn scene with mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg was, I think, because she was the one who could act the worst. 
Right. Right. Like Paul Thomas Anderson said, who can who can say these lines the worst, <laughs> believably, as being a bad porn actor? And she did it, and she was like, well, Julianne Moore wins. How long has it been since you've had a woman? A long time. That's terrible. But now I'm back, and I'm ready to pursue my acting career. Well, as you may or may not know, this is an important film for me. If it's not a hit, I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment. My landlord's a real jerk. Really? Why don't you take your pants off? It's important I get an idea of your size. No problem. I think that you have the job. But why don't I make sure of something? This is a giant cock. Well, and she's it, the best it, actor on all fronts. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it's funny. I'm going to make our second Singing in the Rain comparison because, oh, yeah. because we talked about it takes a really good dancer to dance poorly. And it takes a really good yeah. actor to, to act, act poorly. poorly. Yeah. Yeah. To say, and, and those, that horrible porn dialogue is just, and the way that she says it is right. fantastic. It's so good. But, uh, the, but the way that scene is shot is very sexy too. You go upside down mm-hmm. and then you go into the camera like it's right. just so well done it's sexy as hell without having seen much of it or just seeing shades of a bo- of the body or pieces of the body parts you're like oh this is hot as hell and when you juxtapose that with what you see later on when she's on the phone talking about her kid when, she, when they're oh, taking yeah. away like yeah. that's what you're talking about it's yeah. so great to see her progression through the film as she becomes more and more desperate to be normal okay I, w- I want to go back we, we, we've uh, we've hired Eddie Adams He's, and now we're going to have our first big pool party, oh. and we're going to meet the whole gang. And we've already talked about it a little bit, but the meeting between Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley oh over God. the margaritas. Oh, my God. Hey, did you ever see that movie Star Wars? Oh, about four times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. Really? What do you bench? Well, you tell first. I asked you first. Same time. It's cool. Are you ready? Ready. One, One two, two, three. You didn't say anything. Oh, neither did you. Some people say I look like Han Solo. <laughs> so it, fantastic. Well, and what's so funny is you see Mark Wahlberg kind of process that and just be like, <laughs> and no, what, you don't. Yeah. And what, and what's so great is that it's like, uh, and now we're best. Did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what happened. And like doing the dives, and he does the the, the oh the back, bat, right. back and and how much do you bench? You first, yeah. And like you know, you didn't say anything. It's, and it's all of these stupid high school, and it's like oh, that's their level. Yeah, but I've seen that on sets in regular shows. Oh sure, in yeah. regular films. That's just actors being actors, right? Two dudes, two dude actors, like just trying to impress each other who have emotional, like they have, they don't have emotional maturity. So the way they talk, the way they connect is that way. You know, he's, he's not doing it in a negative way. No, he's doing it in a very, it's like, chest oh, bumping. Yeah, it's exactly. trying, it's like, it's like two chickens trying sizing exactly. each other up, you know? Yeah. It's, it's great. It. It's a great two chickens sizing exactly. each other up. I think that is, a, I will never see this movie and not be thinking about. That's totally what it is though. That's hilarious. Um, uh, let's talk about Bill Macy. Oh, oh my yeah. god! So so powerful, and so once again, this is Bill Macy in the late to mid nineties, building his resume as an actor. I think Fargo is just around the corner. If not, it just happened. Just happened. Yeah, just happened. Just happened. Right? Yeah. So here he is in this situation. The way his hair is done, like he's one of these guys that is not your typically attractive actor, like mainstream attractive actor. But when you see him in a film, you can't help but watch him. I mean, The Cooler is a fantastic film that nobody talks about. I like that movie a lot. Such a great film, and he's leading that, and he's so powerful in that film. But because he's such a great talent, and he has this something about his face and his, his presence, his energy, this magnetic, you can't take your eyes off him. And he is 
pitiful throughout the film and heartbreaking. And when he makes his move of power, it is even sadder that he did it the way he did it. He's the transition point in the film, I yes, think, which is no also the it. 80s. But Absolutely. like that that moment is when the movie kind of starts to go down. Yeah. Yep. I want to hold off on that for yeah. a sec, just to keep on Bill Macy. So his situation is, yeah. he's the assistant director. Yeah. He's very hardworking. He comes home, and there's his wife having sex with another guy. Who is actual porn star Nina Hartley. Actual yes. porn star yes. Nina Hartley, who was apparently a big help to PTA. And still doing porn. Yep. At, in is she really? Wow. Oh, yes. Hmm. She still teaches. Um, and uh, Steve and knows what he's doing tonight. It's <laughs> already <laughs> Google. Um, uh, then we see later on at the big pool party, he walks around <laughs> strange crowd of guys, and then there is, and then there's uh, there's his wife again having sex with another guy, and what and people, it's what's so bizarre about this world is he goes, that's my wife, and everyone's like, whatever. I mean, can you imagine you're at a yeah. party? Oh my and god! People openly having sex, and then someone comes up upset, and that's their wife. Well, and also like her mentality of what she's doing to him. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep fucking strangers on purpose in front of you, basically, yeah. because I know that you're never gonna do anything about it. She cuckled him. Yeah, yeah, and he takes it. But I think it's also a test. It's like man mm-hmm. up, yeah. be a man. I don't think she expected him. What? Well, he what's does to come. Yeah, is going to happen. But like, I think that there's probably a desire. What I saw is a desire in her for him to say no. Get off of her. Yeah. I want to have sex with her. That's my wife. Yeah. And instead, she gets something much worse. Right. Yeah. And and even the scene where, uh, what's the actress who's the cameraman who's all, all sorts of mammoth films? Ricky Jay. Ricky Jay. Yeah. yeah. He's the an scene. actual magician. Yes. Yeah, who's an yeah. actual magician. Yeah. Um, so Ricky Jay is like talking to him about the next shoot with that going on in the yeah. background. Little Bill. Hey, Kurt. How's it going? What's wrong with you? Oh, my fucking wife, man. She's down there, some idiot's dick in her. Everybody's standing around watching. It's a fucking embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, listen. Yeah. For the shoot, I want to talk about the look. I want to see about getting this new Zoom lens. Right. Bill Macy is has like one of the greatest internal sadnesses of any actor mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Where mm-hmm. you see the pain, and then you see him trying to cover it up, and he's still... You know, submissive to Ricky J. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, well we're not. He starts talking about the movie. Yeah, Ricky J's like, like, so so what lens are we going to be doing? What lens are we going to? I mean, it's just the film we're talking about here. No, hey, gotcha. You got to go somewhere. So hey, what the fuck? It's only the photography, the film we're talking about. Are you giving me shit, Kurt? No, hey, no way. My fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right. I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow. Okay. Okay. No big deal. Sorry. All right. Gotcha. It's just so well, you know, painful. and you know the mistake there is. So he says, "That's my wife. She's got an ass in her cock." I know. Was that a mistake or is that? <laughs> it's a mistake. So oh. he, it should be a cock and you right. know, cock in her ass. And I thought that was just brilliant. Writing. No, so he said cock in her ass for the first take, and then said ass in her cock. The next like five takes, and Paul Thomas Anderson kept saying, "No, it's, you said it again." He's like, "I did really? I said it again? Are you sure?" And he's like, "You did. You did." And then he ended up using it because <laughs> I it's, it's I love it. I know. Yeah. I just always assumed it was in the script because it's yeah. so great to have him say the say it wrong. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it was moment. a mistake. And, and and Bill Macy says that's a testament to PTA, you know, to, to leave that in there yeah. is a mistake. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Well, PTA is very smart in the editing room, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because in addition to having these wonderful tracking shots that look like no other filmmaker, I think they have the there's a strange sort of floating quality yeah. to his Steadicam mm-hmm. shots. Mm-hmm that I don't know what is giving it that in the way he moves around that mm. doesn't look like anybody else. Well, there's also, he holds on people yeah. for longer long periods of time, long yeah. periods of time when they're not talking. Yep. Or he will do slight camera movements. Like when Mark Wahlberg and Julianne Moore first meet, 
the camera slides over mm-hmm. and just focuses on the two of them looking at each other when other people are talking. Yeah. And it's a wonderful way to trick you into to feeling the relationship that's building between those two characters. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. This is my favorite performance of Philip Seymour Hoffman, personally. Wow. wow. I will say. That's a strong statement. I mean, I mean there's a this long is, list. This is, also, this is also, for me, what made me want to go into acting as well. Wow. So this movie has a couple different things in it that made me want to make films and also be an actor. I just saw someone playing a character so strong and so grounded and also being such a character that's yeah. so believable for the first time, I think, in modern, modern film for me mm-hmm. um, growing up. And I just, I just loved how emotional and how, how vibrant this character was. It, it, it's and, and sad. So, and, yeah. and so fearless and open, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no sense of him wanting to look good or taking care of himself. He is so happily, it, even when he's in the background, being this crazy, sad, mm-hmm. want, deeply loving, wanting character, mm-hmm. you know? And every physical thing he does, too. This is, a, I think, a master class on physical acting. Like, what he does with the pen when he's walking mm-hmm. down the steps with Dirk Diggler mm-hmm. the first time for his firstborn, you look really great, with the pen in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. And the way he holds his arms. That's and great. Holds himself in and is covering himself up. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I read also that his wardrobe, they wanted him to be in the same clothing that he was in as a child. <laughs> like yeah. that he never changed his clothing from mm-hmm. when he was a little boy. So yeah. everything still doesn't really quite fit him well, and he's just a little awkward still and still trying to find a family, much like everybody else mm-hmm. is trying to find a family in this movie. Well, if I remember correctly from what I read, it, he wanted Wahlberg sizes. He wanted right. to wear okay. Wahlberg sizes. Yeah. But it sure the, looks that way. But the clothes had to look childish and right. had to look like he was right, in right. that state of regression, like as a, as a, he never matured as an adult, like right. he was to him. It's it's no different than a fan who just wants to be you all the time. Like they, you have people have these fans who come in like they dress like them, they act like them, they do the kinds of things you know, and they take it to that extra level where they they actually think they can be that other person. Well, and it know? is very clear, it's like very man, early yeah. that he is in love with Dirk Diggler. absolutely from yes, the opening is. shot when, they, yeah. when it when it the pinhole when it goes yep. around yep. Dirk and you see him sitting on the chair and and Phil Seymour kind of does that like hair flip sideways <laughs> smile, mm-hmm. and you're like and you're like oh this is I mean it's another very clear showing of what this character is from the very first mm-hmm. second you meet them. Yep, you absolutely. know their wants, you know their intentions, you know everything about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he is another brother in the family, or maybe he's like the nephew right. or the cousin, <laughs> yeah. but like that, this, just continuing this family metaphor. Yeah, um, yeah and we're, we're, we're sort of building up this group of people. Um, it, let's, get, let's get to the, we talked about it a little bit before. Um, let's get to this first sex scene. Because this is the test. This mm. is like, if, if this was a, a boxing movie, this is the first fight. If this is a musician movie, this is the first concert. You know, this is the first big test. And there's a lot of tension put around it. And there's a lot of build up to it. And then what, what, I, what I love about the way, and we see all the family members kind of making this thing happen. And yeah. one of the things I love about the way that we see it is it's really about the reaction shots. When they start mm-hmm. ha- when he starts having sex yeah. with Julia Moore, it's really going like Bill Macy's reaction shot is amazing because in it you see all of his feelings of inadequacy, you know. Yeah, you see all of that like you know because we already learned about his wife and what's mm-hmm. going on with her, and you see all of that. You see Burt Reynolds as the artist filmmaker going again. I got something special. Mm-hmm. 
even um I think the character's name is Rocky. You know the the um, second camera op. Oh yeah, who's yeah. smoking the cigarette? Like even right, his right, right. his face is fantastic because it's, it's just like holy it's shit. It's like holy shit. <laughs> I've been in this business a long time. I've never seen something that big. You know, yeah. it's, it's great. Like yeah. and uh, John C. Riley and I forget her name. The other co-star when they tilt their heads yeah. to the side yeah. to, oh. to get a look at it. Look at it. It, it, well, and I had to say, I know we're talking a lot about big cocks <laughs> in, this, in discussing this film, but it seems as if the implication is there's also something special about Dirk. Yes. And it's yeah. not just that. It's that there's something special about... His acting. His acting. As well, yeah. His acting that it's making... Because everyone is getting pulled in yeah. you know, to yeah. the yeah. scene. They get so lost in it, they don't even realize that he comes the, inside of her. Right. Honestly, yes. I mean, like, which is a big faux pas, you know, a big no-no in this. Yeah. And... I, I, I really, for all actors. For all actors, yes. Yeah. On the assistants oh. in particular. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> um, Talking about porn, I mean... Look, who, who... look, look if, if our discussion makes you want to watch The Assistants, it's available <laughs> on iTunes. You could rent it right now. You could see exactly what we're talking about. Um, the, uh, well, and the other thing that happens, though, so the film reel runs out. Yeah. Yes. And Which is they great. just keep going. Oh, such a great moment, yeah. And they're just quietly, well, let's just reload. And then the great moment where we realize that Dirk Diggler is a true oh, yeah. star yeah. is, do you want me to do it again? Yeah. I can I, do it again right now, Jack. I can do it again right now, Jack. And then it's where, and then we go into the montage. Yeah. yeah. We go straight into this perfect end because this is, we're watching the sports hero yeah. movie. We're watching the rock star movie. Is that everything's going great? Yeah. Which I think something we haven't talked about too is the soundtrack to this yep. movie oh, is just insane. Charts, I mean, like from scene to scene, from all these montages, it's just perfection. Yeah, the song they hit at just the right moment, and he again. There's obvious connections between Martin Scorsese and oh yeah, and yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Is that Paul Thomas Anderson plans ahead the way Scorsese does, the way Tarantino does for certain songs in certain scenes, and knows how he's going to drop the needle, how long it's going to play. He times them out. So he knows, okay, we're going to be out before the second chorus, yeah. you know, on this song. It doesn't always go that way, but he really thinks through that in the script stage. Yeah. Um, we go into this great montage where we see he's winning all the awards, and it is treated just the way you would treat it if these were movie mm-hmm. stars or sports mm-hmm. stars or anything else. I mean, when they're dancing in the club in... in, in oh, can, in unison? In, yeah, in unison. Oh, is yeah. One of my favorite moments of the movie. Just yes. perfect. By the way, I found out, do you know who choreographed that? Yes. Um, uh, Adam Shankman. Adam Shankman. I, I read that. I was like, oh. what? I can't yeah. believe that, yeah. Yeah, it was, who's, way he, early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big choreographer, yeah. director. So you think you can dance, all that stuff. That's How who funny. choreographed that. Wow. Yeah, and now we get into. I, I, I love. The, oh, I want to go back to one moment. I, lo- I love the moment. I think it's in the hot tub where we Eddie Adams comes up with the name. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I got to go back just one second on that. The opening of the hot tub with John C. Riley's poem. Oh, I love oh, yeah. you. You love me. Going down the sugar tree. That's <laughs> my favorite. It's my favorite poem. <laughs> we'll go down the sugar tree and there'll be some bees. You know, it's my. It's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Yeah. And actually, it's from his mockumentary. Oh, really? I guess the the guy who played oh, wow. the John C. Riley character um, improvised that poem, oh, and they ended God. up using it. And and Dirk being like, that's really good. Did you write that yourself? <laughs> and that again shows the earnestness and just the believability Absolutely. and like how much they love our, themselves as artists. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and this goes to what like we have this big build up to Eddie Adams saying the name Dirk Diggler and Burt Reynolds, and, and we even cut to this shot of Dirk Diggler in lights. I just want a name. I want it so we can cut glass. You know, like razor sharp. Razor sharp, right? Yeah. Well, when I close my eyes, I see this thing. It's like this big sign. And the name is in like bright blue neon lights with like purple outline. 
and his name is just so bright and so sharp that the sign, it just blows up because the name is just so powerful. I think, I think heaven has sent you here, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> I think the angels have blessed us all because of you. You're Dirk. Dirk Diggler. <laughs> but it's, it's immediate, his reaction to it. There's no thinking about it. And what I can't tell, and this is what I was thinking, is like, does, does Burt Reynolds really believe these things? Like, is he, how smart is Burt Reynolds? He's certainly smarter than they are, mm-hmm. but it's like, it, is he going? Yes, I think this name is great, or the the Brock Lander, or whatever it is. Or is he just appeasing them? Or is he yeah. just appeasing them? I, I was them. actually wondering the same thing, watching Jack in that moment because he says it so fast. Yeah, and is he just saying it because he knows he's got a star on his hands and he's just going to say whatever uh, whatever right. he knows is going to be right, right to keep him going? Or is he saying it because he actually believes it? And I don't. It's hard to know. I mean, he does clearly believe in himself as an artist, as a filmmaker, right. mm-hmm. but he also doesn't give a shit in certain ways that are interesting. Or is that Burt Reynolds bleeding into... I, I, right. As an actor, That's bleeding into, point. what the fuck am I doing on this movie? I don't point. know. <laughs> but he's a fascinating character. Like, we can't quite mm. figure out what he's thinking. Yeah. Can I bring up Don Cheadle? We haven't even talked oh, yes. about yeah, Don absolutely. Cheadle. Yeah. I, I got to talk about because to, to me, he is... My favorite part. He's my favorite character. I think that's what's so great about this film as you watch it. Yes, the main, but there's always someone that you can follow that you feel a certain connection to. And I felt such connection to him through the film. I mean, Cheadle's, once again, this is right when he's still building himself up as an actor. Rwanda, Hotel Rwanda is just around the corner. All these kinds of things are happening. And so he's doing this film here and he's playing this guy who's ironically out, ironically the black sheep of the family, literally right. and figuratively, even in this family, he feels left out. He feels like he, he doesn't have, and he feels like at the party, he's all sad, all dressed up with the, with oh, the, man, with the he's trying to figure out his own style. Right. He can't figure it out. He keeps changing right. from being a cowboy to, because he doesn't know who he, he knows he belongs somewhere. Right. He just doesn't know where, but the desire to belong is so powerful. Well, it, he's such a, he's a middle American. He wants to be a, he wants to be a stereo salesman. Yes. That's where he belongs. Yeah. And it's interesting too. We don't ever see him film being filmed in porn, right? No. No. Yeah. It's like he's sort of the least he he, he it seems like he kind of fell into this well, as that's an actor. I mean. He's the outside person yeah. all throughout the whole film. Right. And I think but but he gets his he gets that moment. He gets his moment oh, in, without question. in such a great way. It's so interesting, actually. I I Kind of have never thought about that until we've talked about this. That like he is the one who gets really what he wants. Yep. Oh yeah. The most out of anybody. Yep. I think in the entire film because he stays. He stays. Yeah. He stays out of the pitfalls of what that life could be. Right. And in in a way, he, he initially he feels left out, hurt, insecure, sad. But it ends up being a blessing when the the thing happens in the long run, and he ends up becoming well, the stereo sales. I think part of it is is that unlike anybody else, he actually has ambitions that are perfectly realistic and normal yeah like he doesn't go i'm going to be a star or that he's right. not mm-hmm. he goes i want to open up a stereo <laughs> that's all i want to do that's all I want. you know and i want he wants to get married and have kids yeah. and he wants to live a perfectly normal life and he's sitting there while he's that's what he clearly wants he's throwing mm-hmm. on all these outfits and things yeah. that don't really trying fit. to match with the world yeah. that's around him right. i think because this gaudy big world that's right. around him when really he just wants to be normal it has to be normal. normal that's the thing all these people in this film want to be seen as normal and accepted as normal but they're doing something that's not normal we well, would consider normal as a society well yes that's it's the last thing you said that yeah. i think is the key is that they th- they are normal yes in, the, in the, their world yes in their, in their minds yeah well and, and and it's our world that says that 
right. porn. Well, and this is I thought about I've thought about this a bunch, which is that I don't know how to explain this idea, but there, everybody has a, a set of traits, mm -hmm. you know, that you have intelligence and you're good looking or you're strong or you're fast or whatever it is, and we value those on different levels, and we tend to value. Uh, the sexual, like for instance, if I make a movie that makes you cry, mm -hmm. you go, oh, wow, oh he's, that's a, he's a fantastic filmmaker. Yes. Yes. Right. If I make a right. movie that makes you laugh, you go, oh, he's a good filmmaker. You don't put it at quite at the same level he makes you cry. Right. Right. If I make a movie that thrills you or scares you, you know, that's, a, oh, he's a good filmmaker. If I make a movie that turns you on, then, uh, then it's not so good. Yeah. Right. And it's like, why do we put these on different sets of standards? And, and why do we go, and, and I know there are reasons for this, but yeah, the Puritan time. But but yeah, I mean, is that is that we are very as I said when I introduced mm -hmm. the podcast, we are uncomfortable about sex. Yes. Okay. And so because we are, and yet even though the porn industry, particularly today, is a massive multi-billion-dollar industry, and what we can take from the evidence of its massive size <laughs> is that everybody, well, a lot of people watch it. Yeah. <laughs> is that many? I was probably not everybody, yeah, but it's but, a whole bunch of people watching. Right. Yeah. So you have a whole bunch of people appreciating a thing that a group of people are doing while simultaneously simultaneously demeaning the work that they do and yeah. that is weird and it's interesting actually i hadn't thought about this before this but even burt reynolds and their characters are trying to make these porns not porns right, right. that's you exactly know what i mean what and i hadn't doing. thought about that like then that ricky jay when he says this is the best work we've ever done Jack, yeah yeah when they're making chest rockwell and brock landers and they're deviating away from what it is that they're really doing trying to do which is turn people on right they're now trying to make james bond of porn they're trying to make it normal yeah and right. It's kind of sad, actually, in a mm. sense, that they're not just sticking to what they originally Well, but this goes doing. into... Uh, this is, so there's this moment where we have Dirk Diggler, and they're in like a van, and he says, I got this idea, mm -hmm. and his idea, which is based on sort of a John Holmes series of films, yeah. right. but is that we're going to do this James Bond of porn. And they get really excited, and they have these big action sequences and car chases, and you know they're, they're doing this big thing. Gunfights, vests with no shirts on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, the late 70s. Are just <laughs> awesome. and, and that actually does become really successful. And then what happens, I think, is that that's when you went to see porn in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Right. As a community. As a community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, once porn becomes something that you watch at home... What happens to those sections in the movie? Fast forward, fast forward, fast, fast forward. forward. Yeah. There is no reason for them to right. exist. They only exist when you're in the community in the movie theater. Right. right. So, so Burt Reynolds and our characters have gotten the illusion that people really like this. Mm -hmm. And what happens as we make the transition of videotape is to discover that's not what they liked you for. Right. Yeah. You know, which is really sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he thinks he's a filmmaker. Yes. He doesn't think he's a porn filmmaker. He thinks he's a filmmaker. And there's a reverence to that right. in his mind. Yeah. Well. He is a filmmaker. Right. Well, of course. You but I'm saying, mean? but most people look at people who do porn and be like, you're not Scorsese. You know, they don't consider it the same same level. No one's going to the, no one's covering the AVN and going, like, what are you wearing on the red carpet? Like on E. You know what I'm saying? There's, that's, they are those, covering Those it. are on Showtime or Cinemax yeah. or some shit like that. But it's not going to be on regular network television. Well, that's this is, again, we've, we've, we've created a judgment. barrier between this stuff and yes, this stuff. And but by it, the way, I went to, I was at the, I was at CES. This is you know, almost 20, 20 years ago, it's actually right about when Boogie Nights came out. Yeah. And there was the porn convention at the same time, or the uh, AVN or whatever. Right. And, I, and one of my boss was friends with someone who was working that convention rather than our convention. And we're sitting at a table and she said, oh yeah, I'm just desperate for writers. Um, I really could use a writer. I need someone who can write like one page descriptions of a scenario and do like, th you know, five or six a week and we'll pay a few thousand dollars for these things. And I'm I know what I'm doing now that Bones is over. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
And I, I'm sitting at the table going, man, I could do that. <laughs> and I had this moment where I was going, do I want to? And I didn't. Mm. Um, and, and I was like, man, I'd make myself a fake name and start writing porn scenarios and make some money. Because at the time I was doing DVD quality control. Right. You know, and, and, and you know, it's, there are all sorts of real people who come out of film school and mm -hmm. they end up in that world. Well, I think Bill Macy, who we haven't even talked about yet, but yeah. he said that they visited porn sets and he was like, we went on one and it was a female director and it was just the same as any other movie. She was yeah. trying to make her day. She was really stressed out trying to get these shots off yeah. and that was it. It was exactly the same it's type still, of set. How many setups? People are fucking in the corner, up? you know, doggy style, but like she's trying to make her day. It's you know? still filmmaking. You yeah. still have a sound guy. You still yep. have, you still have to deal with lighting. You, you still set exposure. You still yep. have diva actors. You yeah, still exactly. have yep. like that. Yeah. You're dealing with a different set of problems sometimes, yeah. mm -hmm. but every movie set has a weird set of problems. Yeah. And, and the one thing, and I, it, you know, it should be obvious to anybody who's listened this far, but Every single actor we've made, whatever the size of their part, can carry their own movies yes. oh. and does later. That's what's amazing. That's a great point. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. I, 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 that's so incredible about that's this film is that point. every single one of them has had their own film, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and most of them, many of them. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, Don Cheadle, Julianne Moore, like on and on. All of these people are stars. And won Oscars. And yeah, yeah, several of them won Oscars. Yeah, um, yeah it's a it's an unbelievable cast. And I love Melora Hardin as yes. a, as a, a, a you know as a as a partner to him because oh, yeah. she she's great in Magnolia as well. Oh yeah, her, her, her the way she plays uh, destroyed innocence is fantastic. And in that when she's so supportive of him, so loving of him, you you can't help but empathize with these people as a couple. He know? also finds love. Yes, you know, which right. I don't yeah. know that and I can yeah, think of anybody else point. that really finds love in the, in the point. way that they John do. John C. Riley and uh, Mark Wahlberg find love. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. bro love. Yeah, yeah. They, have, they have true bro rants. Yeah. But, but other than that, there's no real love. Yeah. yeah. So everything's going great. We get to New Year's Eve 1980. Oof. And New Year's Eve 1980, the tone changes so clearly. Even even before Bill Ma William H. Macy. Even before that moment. The moment that, what's his name? Um, uh, the, the other uh, porn producer. Uh, oh, uh, Phil, uh, Phil Baker Hall. Phil Baker Hall. Oh, yes. Yeah. The moment he walks yes. in the door of the party. With his like, kind of 80s looking yeah. guys. Mm -hmm. These yeah. are the new talent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes. And yep. he comes in and says to Burt Reynolds, everything's going to be videotape. And we have this argument between them and no, it's not going to go that way. And it's just like, oh, and the other thing that happens at that party is Julianne Moore gets uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg to snort some cocaine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that moment. This is the moment. And you know, like things are going to go bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very, very clear. Kids don't do drugs. That's what we're saying. Yeah. That's that's I think that's the, been the that's message the of, of this of this podcast and, and, and podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, and our on New Year's Eve in 1970. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, join yeah. us for our next episode. Fear and loving in Las Vegas. Um, so, uh, and then we get to William H Macy, mm. and this shot it's is another is fantastic tracking shot. I mean, like yeah. Yeah, great tracking shot, and and the shot is he he is walking through the party. He goes to the back room. He opens up the door of some... Room. Someone offers him champagne. Someone offers him champagne. It's like a normal party. Come on, yeah. we're doing the countdown. Come out with us. And he opens the door, and there we don't see, but here his wife is once again having mm -hmm. sex. We can tell by his face. And something that PTA said is that he was doing early screening, and in an early screening, when that happened, I think it was at a college, everyone started laughing at that moment. And he went, oh, no, I've done it wrong. I've ruined the movie. It's mm -hmm. not going to work. And what I think is that that is the right... I, I think that moment is funny. I think mm -hmm. that moment, because you've laughed with Bill Macy mm -hmm. multiple times already, you've set up a funny scenario. And what's so powerful about it is then he walks back to the car. Yeah. And it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. Gets out to the car, reaches into the car, and pulls out a gun. Yeah. 
and then locks the car. Yes. Again, yeah. puts his champagne back yeah. on the top of it, which I love that he locks the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As if you, because he's going to continue with like, who's going to, someone's going to steal something from his car. <laughs> that's yeah. what he's worried like, about. Yeah, that's what he's yeah worried right. About. That's what he's worried about. Um, but people are like that. I mean, right. we, we do our normal stuff. Yeah. Here's a horrible story. My mom will be angry at me for telling this. So my dad wakes up in the middle of the night. This is 30 years ago or something and says, Sue, I am having chest pains. And my mom goes, okay. He says, I think we should go to the hospital. Mom goes, okay, uh, let's go downstairs. He goes, he, he, he's already gotten dressed. My dad is very efficient and organized. Yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, I'm going down to the car. My mom goes down to the car. On her way to the car, she grabs the garbage and throws it in and takes it out because it's, <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, my dad was perfectly, <laughs> was, he fantastic. had like angina or something. I mean, he, yeah, he was fine. Fantastic. But yeah, it was Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, we do that thing. We yeah. do the normal stuff. So anyway, he walks. He might not make it back from the hospital for me to throw the trash out yeah. in time. So I'm going to yeah, throw exactly. it out. We got a lot of trash. It's like, it didn't take me yeah. an extra time. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the way. I love that. So, so he walks back. <laughs> and this, now we're back to, and, and again, this is, these moments are funny, yeah. you know? And as he's walking back, it becomes so scary. We follow him back. He very opens the door, very calmly fires two shots, walks outside, looks at camera, Smiles. Smiles. Yes. Oh my God. And that smile is so filled with something. Yeah. Filled with despair and anger and fuck you and look at me now. And now I've got who's your attention. Won? Who's yeah, won? Who won? Yeah. Yeah. And he puts the gun in his mouth. Or, no, he just aims at his face. No, I think it's his mouth. Yeah. Isn't his it? Mouth? And then it blows out the back of his head. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And. The movie has changed. Yeah. Yep. We are now in a the movie will never be the same after this. And moment. I think it's important to note too, like about this film, is it is funny. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. it's a it's it's for the all intents and purposes, the first third of it is to me is a comedy. Yeah. Sort of. And this is where it really completely changes yeah. and delves into a whole other world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so funny. It's funny. It's so shocking to me. Now I can't remember. What do we come back to right after that? What's the next sequence? It, it it's you see what I mean? It kind of erases mm-hmm. the movie. I know. Which is why the laughing works. The fact that people laughed at that moment, thinking we laughed with William Macy throughout the film, it makes it work that we laugh at that moment because when he goes and gets the gun, the, the, the reaction by the audience, the viewer, is like, holy shit. Yeah, right. we, we, we thought we were going to keep going down this like, feel-good path or a fun path, and then, the, then he pulls the gun and she kills his wife. You're like, oh, fuck, where do we go now? You know what I'm saying? It's great in terms of pacing as a viewer watching a film. It takes you to a whole other place. What I do remember like technically about the film after this point is that the camera work changes. Yeah. Like drastically. Mm-hmm. It becomes this fast moving stuff. Mm-hmm. Zoom in. The 80s. Yeah. Yeah. The eighties. Exactly. Cocaine. No more tracking, no more long, tra- slow tracking shots of meeting right. people. It's, it's this fast frenetic filmmaking yep. after this. The other thing that we, we skipped over that I have to just mention is Phil Seymour Hoffman, when he buys the car, that's exa- oh, that's, that's like yep. the D version of Dirk's car. Yeah. And tries to kiss him. Yes. And I'm just really drunk. It's the most. It's it's such a devastating scene. Oh yeah, but I think it's, it also foreshadows what's going to happen with Wahlberg later. And that's, that's because the, Wahlberg in that moment as a character is in power. Right. 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 But Wahlberg later is Philip Seymour Hoffman in that uh, truck, yeah. jacking off. That's true. There's no difference in status between those two guys at it, that moment. It also foreshadows what's about to happen because that is on the verge of the the '80s New oh, Year's yeah. Eve as well. That's right. before Bill. Right. Before right. Bill. So that's kind of like the the prequel to like what the downfall of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so, and his reaction after Wahlberg leaves. Oh, fucking idiot, fucking idiot, fucking idiot. He's yes. singing in the car, yeah. It's so painful and such good acting. But we also see that 
the cocaine and the partying has turned a corner. Yeah. Like we've gone from, hey, and, and just like, you know, a lot of movies, and it's like, it's really fun when it starts, and now it starts to get bad, and we have this great sequence where before he was, hey, Jack, I can go again right now, and now we have, he's trying to get ready for a shoot, and there's a young guy who he feels like is going to replace him, and he comes out and says, I'm ready, and they say 20 minutes. Jack. Yeah. I'm ready to shoot. Uh, 20 minutes, huh? No, I'm ready now. It's got to be now. 20 minutes, babe. Fuck it. Hey. No. Hey, Jack. I'm ready to shoot now. My cock is ready. I want to fuck. Let's go. 20 minutes. And he and Jack have a fight. And it's really hard to watch. Yeah. I'm not going to shoot you in the state you're in. What do you mean, state? State, state of California? I know where the fuck I am, Jesus Jack. Jesus Christ, you've been up for two days. No, I haven't been up for two days. Nevertheless, you look like you haven't been slept. So I ain't gonna shoot you this way, because you don't look good. You know what? You don't tell me anything, okay? Really? You're not the boss of me. Yes, I am. Oh, you the king, huh? Yes! Hey, don't oh, fucking oh, touch me, man! Sir, sir. No, no, no! You shut up, too! You're not the mother of me, and you're not my boss! You're not my mother! You're not my fucking mom! Hey, no, 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 I'll take you no, home. No, 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 I'll take you home. No, no, no. Go. I'm ready to shoot the scene. I want to shoot the scene. I'm fine. I want you out of here. Look, it's over, okay? I'm done. Listen now, I'm ready to kid. shoot. I want you. Don't you fucking call me a kid. What? I'll fuck you. You want to see me kick some ass? I don't fucking karate. You want to fuck oh, me? Oh, get out of here. Come on. You are fired. You're fired, you fucking And a little side note from what I read on Grant. You probably read this on Grantland as well, but like, um, I, apparently, PTA and uh, Burt Reynolds had gotten into a very big fight the mm-hmm. day before shooting this. Oh, really? And Burt Reynolds had swung a punch at him. Wow. And then... I would think he hits hard. I would think he does. Yeah. And then the next day, there's this pent-up big fight, which I think is like beautiful from Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. The way he oh, yeah. holds back and the way he doesn't want to, to get mad at right. Dirk right away. He's really like, baby, 20 minutes, baby. Yeah. It's 20 minutes. And then... It builds and builds to him, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, right. You know, and it is just, it's wonderfully done. Well, because he welcomed him into his house. Right. He gave him everything that he has. He's treated him with nothing but respect Mm -hmm. and kindness and generosity. And now this guy's acting like a dick. But I also think, too, Burt Reynolds, like the character, he he knows, he remembers being Dirk. Like that. Right. That, as men, we like we watched a 20, like I'm 46. I could watch a 20 year old go, and I go, Dude, just trust me. This is not as big as you're making it seem. Like, you just calm down. You, you'll, you'll realize later, right? right? And I think that's what he's doing in that moment. He's like, it's 20 minutes. Dude, just relax. I know, I, know what you feel. I know exactly what you're feeling. Let me tell you this so you can calm down, blah, blah, blah. But it's not working. And I think it's not working because, and this is great, it's really well done for the characters, because Wahlberg does want to, like, feel himself. He wants to feel himself a little more. He wants to, no different than, like, a, you say it's a, he's the dad. The kids... Sons fight with their dads all the time right. to state their independence because it's like, no, I need to be my own man and do my own thing, blah, 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 even though you're still taking care of me. I want to do my own thing. And that's what see, it's very similar right. to me. With that and happens. there's a certain point where dad has to say, get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. You, you know? really can do it? Then get the fuck out of yeah. the house. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do it on your. And then we go to <laughs> that they're going to be rock and roll stars. Yes. <laughs> it is. So, some, some of the worst music ever. And as you said, this is the composer of the film that's playing the engineer. Right. And what apparently what PTA said to Riley is just see if you can make, make him lose his cool. Just be, just try to torture the composer. Oh, no way. Oh, yes. Oh, that's great. So And you can oh, see it. It's so painful to watch. Do you think my, my voice is getting uh, drawn out by the bass? <laughs> Not really. Turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it down. 
He's, yeah. he's so, so oh, it's so awful. And you see things going on. Oh, and we didn't say we get introduced to another character, which is Thomas Jane. Oh my yeah. gosh. God. Who has also made his career. Oh, and yeah. he's been vocal about that too. Like this movie completely changed my life. Yeah. Well, um, his performance is so bizarre. And oh yeah, it, it's funny. Having listened to a lot of people who got into Coke uh, mm-hmm. talk about this is there's this guy. They talk about well, you start hanging out with a guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the guy that can get the coke, yeah. and that that and that guy takes you to weird and creepy places. <laughs> and certainly, Thomas Jane does that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it gets it, he's a very very peculiar character. Well, and then yeah. there's all the there's a scene with them all doing a ton of blow uh, from underneath, yeah, on right. the coffee table, yeah. and and cameras are changing completely. Their lives are changing. They're trying to find another plan of what right. to do, right? What how to make money and and how to how to get ahead, right? Um, one scene I want to talk about, which we, we skipped, um, Julianne Moore and Heather Graham doing drugs together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where Heather Graham asked her to be her mom. Yeah. yeah. I love you, Mom. I want you to be my mom, Amber. Are you my mom? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you if you're my mom, okay? And, and you say yes, okay? Are you my mom? Yes, buddy. <laughs> yes. Yes. That scene, and then Julianne's completely coked out intensity. I mean, that scene is... Do you want to go for a walk? I don't want to leave this room. Neither do I. Neither do I. I don't want to do this anymore, honey. I can't. I just... Let's have fun now. Let's just go and go and go. It's over. There's too many things. Too many things. Too many things. Too many things. Okay. Let's go walk. I don't want to leave this room. Neither. Honey. I love you, Mom. It's so sweet and so funny and so insane. That yeah. scene is amazing. It's a lost mom and a lost daughter. That's what Absolutely. it is. Yeah. Trying to find the connection. Once again, you talk about family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this brings us to our sort of next turn, our next emotional turn, which is first we have Julianne Moore in the custody mm-hmm. trial. Oh, man. It is. And here's the thing about that, that trial. It's a hearing to decide whether or not she should have custody of her kid. And part of me watches, and I love Julianne Moore, and I know that this character in this film mm-hmm. is a loving person. Right. And I'm kind of with the judge. Yeah. You know? And then her ex-husband. And her ex-husband. Yeah. That is actually probably one of the only characters in the outside yeah. that you are a little bit with. Because, right. ugh, I mean, the devastating moment earlier on when the when her... Uh, Kid so- calls. Uh, yeah. The, is it daughter or son? I don't remember. I think it's a daughter. It's a daughter calls, yeah. and... Luis Guzman's walking around saying, does anybody know a Molly? Molly? And, and she's not there to yeah. answer her, her daughter's phone call. Well, right. she is there. She's there. I'm sorry. But That's what makes it so sad. Yeah, she's exactly. Over there. She's over there, but she doesn't, yeah. doesn't know. Doesn't know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you don't, get to be, you don't get to be the mom of this kid. Right. And again, you get Julianne Moore's just stellar acting, yeah. crying outside, outside the court. Outside. It's yeah. just brutal. Oh, and, and the other turn, of course, is what happens to the colonel. Now, we haven't talked about oh, him. Oh, man, the colonel. The colonel is... Also, another stellar performance. He also he played Jack in the in right. the um, in the Dirk original Diggler. short. Oh, how funny! Yeah, okay. um, and he's acted in like Mel Brooks movies yeah, yeah, and yeah. all sorts of things. And so there was this sort of can he do this right. kind of a, a character? <sighs> and of course, he's great. And man, so he's a character. We see him once at the very first party. He brings in what seems like a very young girl who does too much coke. Yeah. We see him at another thing with a very young girl. And then it ends up that a very young girl who's ended up being 15, doing a lot of coke, dies at his house. Mm-hmm. And now he's in jail. And we have Jack come to visit him in jail in this interview. Through the glass. Through the glass. Yeah. Talking on the phones. And the devastating moment of him saying, 
you're my friend, right, Jack? Yeah. You're my friend. And then the, the phone gets cut. Yeah. Their time is up and you just see him mouthing through the glass. Right. You're my friend, right? You're my friend. Oh, God. And, and, and Jack, again, Burt Reynolds' performance in this moment yeah. of, I want to do the right thing for you, but you've gone to a place where mm-hmm. maybe I'm not your friend. Yeah. You know? And I don't know what you do when a friend takes that kind of a turn. You know, like, yeah, it's rough. Well, that's what's so ironic about the whole situation with Burt Reynolds, right? Burt is, Burt is this though, through the whole film. He's Burt the is the steadying You're right. influence yeah. the whole film. He does not have these like things like this because he's been through it all already. That character is what I mean. Yeah. And so he, he he's trying to guide everyone to the right place. And he has you right. He has that great moment where he's like. What am I going to... But it's, she was 15. You right. should have fucking known what you were doing. Just like, you want to be you want to be a man? Get the fuck out of the house. You want to do this? He takes care of the people who respect what he does and appreciates what he does for them, and he gives them patience. But then there's too, you go too far and take advantage of there's it. There's a line. He's not, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, and he has a strong moral center. Yes, yes. Now, exactly. Now, we might not... You know, our society might not like where his moral center right. sits. Right, exactly. But he cares about his people. Mm-hmm. He believes in doing the right thing in a certain way, which brings us, of course, to In the Limousine, where he is now pouring his change. We're not right. making movies on right. film. We're on videotape. And he has, you know, okay, we're going to go around and have ordinary people have sex with a porn star, or just roller girl in the back. And he's uncomfortable about it. Yeah. You can and, tell. And, and he's also trying to sell it. Yeah. Like you see, and again, that's a layered performance. It's also reality TV a little bit. You oh, know, yeah. he's cut, there's mistakes in what he's saying. You know, he's not exactly, he's not as smooth as you see him yeah, throughout right. the rest of the film because yeah. he's on camera for the first time. Right. Hi, Jack Corner here. Uh, I'm in the back of this beautiful limousine in the back seat, riding along west on Sherman Way. And beside me is beautiful talent, gorgeous young actress. From adult cinema, roller girl. Hi, hello, howdy. Are you ready to get on with this experiment? Ready, ready like Freddy. And and they invite a guy in, and this, and, and we have to say this is intercut with Dirk in this oh, other brutal scene where Dirk is now gotten to such a low point, which he gets low pretty quick. Yeah, of he is back to selling glimpses or uh masturbating for people and maybe other things we don't know for money with some guy in a truck yeah, yeah and and the soundtrack in this moment as well oh, has yeah. changed completely it's that slow like drum beat right. heartbeat mm-hmm. of like impending doom yeah. coming you know it, it sure feels that way and this guy comes in and this sex scene is really with with roller girl yeah. and it's really uncomfortable and again heather graham's performance of trying to be the good porn actress when something really, really bad is now happening, yeah. and at this intercut with Dirk not able to perform the way he wants to perform, and we're back and forth, and this drone is happening, and it's getting yeah. more intense and more uncomfortable, and you have this impending sense of doom, and then as and then finally Jack goes, no, no, we got to stop this. This isn't right. You're being too rough. Pulls the guy off, and the guy reveals he went to high school with her. Mm-hmm. And and I always forget that that's the same guy doing yeah. the blowjob face. Yep. He says, "You don't you don't remember me, do you?" You know, and he says her name, which yeah. I think must be devastating to her. We talked yep. about this earlier to have her real name be out in the open when yeah. that's not who she associates herself with anymore. Right. That's She's not who she girl. is. She's roller girl. Mm-hmm. You know, those roller skates don't come off for a reason because right. that that's peeling away at what she really is, which she's no longer is. Which she, you know, and again, Jack Dad protects his daughter by throwing him out of the limousine and that's happening just as and this moment is really weird which is 
Dirk's in the car with this guy who's clearly turned on yeah. right. by what's happening. And right. then a pickup truck pulls up with three, two or three other guys. Yeah. And at that moment, the guy switches from being turned on to being angry and punches Dirk and the other guys get out and they start beating him up. Question. Do you think that that guy like intentionally went there early so he would have time with Dirk? I, I was always, this moment was always mm. interesting to me because it's a really weird moment. Because it is weird because it's not like this guy just does it to uh, beat him up because he's gay and he right. is obviously homophobic. The guy is is turned on by Dirk, clearly for sure, and has a moment with him that's what? What do we say? Five, ten minutes? Yeah. Before the other pickup truck shows something up. Something like that. So there's something else that's obviously this guy is fighting with his own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's something else going on. It's there. an unknown. And I always kind of go, like, well, what exactly was your plan? Because how, how did you time this truck that's pulling me up? Too. Yeah. But it, clearly he switches. As soon as that truck oh, pulls yeah. out, he switches from being turned on to being. You know, homophobic. Homophobe. And, yeah. And they start beating him up. And it's so, you know, this is definitely a how the mighty have fallen moment. Yeah. And while this getting beat up moment is happening, Bert gets out of the car and is beating up this kid. Because the kid says, your, your films suck now. Yep. <laughs> he right. says it to Dirk. Yeah. He says it to Bert. He says yeah. it's to yeah. Jack. Your films suck now. Yeah. And that ticks him off. He jumps out, starts beating him up. Yeah. And then he restrains him. You know, it's like that stops. And then the next moment is it's so cold roller girl roller skates up what does she say she says you don't ever disrespect me fucker you don't ever disrespect me you fucker and she starts kicking him with those roller stomping skates stomping on his face yeah. on the steel with the steel yeah. with yeah. those skates yeah. and we don't get to see it but you fi- and there's this moment of Jack and the, and the other guys kind of standing back yeah shocked mm-hmm. and also feeling somewhat i think the justification of what she's doing yeah and this is that thing that pta talked about yep. with roller girl is this like this this i don't i'm okay i don't care girls is that 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 demon that's inside and now it's come out yeah like all the pain of everything else comes out finally they pull her off and the the beating stops on dirk and we're like wow this is, this is the low point i mean mm-hmm. this is and then there's really fascinating filmmaking thing happening again. It's it's yeah. it's PTA being creative, which yeah. is we see the limo go by in one shot. Uh-huh. We follow it. A truck goes by, and then this you know Volvo station wagon goes up, and we go, "What car is this?" It's funny. I had forgotten about this moment. <laughs> I, I really forgot that that he ties all three of all these three stories of together in yeah. one shot. For some reason, it's just a moment that I've forgotten, and it's it's beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, and you're kind of because you're so shocked. Right, but what you just dealt with, and you're like, "What's this third car?" And then you got Don Cheadle and yep. his pregnant wife, and they're going over to the get donut some donuts, shop. Yep. Yep. The donut shop, and, and some Christmas donuts. That's right, yeah. donuts. And it's it, it's this long shot that's naturalistically paid. Like I have that apple fritter. No, 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 no that yeah. other one. And I even love when he's like, "Oh, is this for the Christmas?" Yeah, like and the guy's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, that's cute. I'll take a couple of those." Like it's so sweet and nice, you know. And, and it's you're reeling from what you've just experienced yeah. and confused by what. what and they're wearing all white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. all white. And why are we here? And then in walks this guy with a gun, and immediately you know, like this is not, this right. is not going well. Although it doesn't go where you expect, is that everybody in that room dies mm-hmm. except Don Cheadle. Covered in blood. Covered completely in blood. Yeah. Brain. Yeah. Just the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was so great by Cheadle, yeah. It, uh, fantastic. And then there's this slow look down at the ground, mm-hmm. all the money out of the safe. That donut shop has done very well, by the way. <laughs> I know. That is a successful, because there's yeah. got to be thousands of dollars in there. Yeah, enough um, to open a nice stereo shop. Yeah, <laughs> and we know that he Don Cheadle got turned down for a loan, and now it's like we see that look in his eye, and he grabs the money and walks out. Yeah. It's a complete, and PTA, again, is so good at doing, this is an unexpected thing. Yeah. But also, he does a great job through the whole film, setting up that moment so that we can accept him taking that money. That moral choice. Right, the moral choice. You're right, exactly. You can accept it. You're not saying, oh, that's a horrible thing he did. You're like, you know what? He deserves that. That bank didn't give him the loan because he was in porn. Right. Unfairly. Mm -hmm. And now, I'm on his side. And he didn't kill any of these people. He didn't kill anybody. So, I, and this I, you know, I there? think we're 100 on his side. Yeah. yeah, it's like everybody in this room is dead. Yeah, he has had an experience that he will never ever get past. Right. I mean, that's going to be there forever. He's covered in blood and maybe brains. Yeah, yeah. that's your money. Possibly in his mouth too. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. your money. Yeah, that's your money. <laughs> that's your money. You earned that money. You can go. <laughs> yeah, and he got turned down for the loan. Right. right. You know, unfairly. Because yes. My feeling is he's going to run a really good stereo store. Yes, I agree. Yeah, he's going to be great. That bank yeah. should have given him the loan. Mm-hmm. That's his money. Yep. Um, we've come to a long way down. Yes, the the, uh, the uh, credits yeah, the, that say that. Yeah. yeah, long way down. One last thing. Yes, uh, it's interesting that choice of a credit. Yeah, um, and uh, we get to, you know, we think we've hit a low point. We're gonna go to. <laughs> we haven't hit the full crazy low point right. that we're about to get to, which is first of all, stay away from Todd. Todd is a bad influence on oh, you. Oh, yeah. Todd's a real bad influence. He's not a good person. No. But then again, what do you expect? He's the guy that gets all the blow. He gets I mean, all the blow, yeah. and he says, I have a great plan. Oh, my Let's gosh. rip off a drug dealer. Right. Oh, my gosh. And we go into a room and a performance that is so insane. Like, it feels insane when the camera moves into mm-hmm. this space. Guys lighting off firecrackers, and you have Alfred Molina. This is my favorite Alfred Molina. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Of, Absolutely. Of, it is so insane what he does with the character like Rahad Jackson, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand what's happening. He's in his underwear, in a robe, listening to music. Sister Christian. Sister yeah. Christian doing a lot of crack. Yes. Completely out of his gourd. There's a big guy with guns. Yeah, the brother. And they're in there like... And the Filipino kid throwing firecrackers. Throwing the yeah. firecrackers. Which, that is, and which, Alfred Molina just wants to hang out. Yeah, he's so <laughs> he nice. He just wants some friends. He's like, come on, stay. Do a little, you want a little crack? Come on, just hang out. Like it, I'm, for a moment, I'm kind of like, oh, guys, just hang out. Why don't we just skip the ripping them right. off thing and just have a nice time? I know, right? Just yeah. say, you know what? We were going to rip you we're off. Rip you off so, but we're going to stay. So awesome. Yeah. And then they go ahead. Yeah, they pull out our bag full of baking soda or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and give it to him. And, and actually, Tom and Thomas Jane, brilliant. I love this moment where he's like, you can try it if you want. I mean, it's okay with me if you try it. Yeah. Like he even like yeah. tests it a little bit. He's like, you can, you can try it. I mean, it's good. You can try it. And I'm like, that's ballsy. You're, you have like yeah. a, a quarter or whatever it is. I don't, yeah. I don't know the lingo for that stuff. But you have you have that baking soda, and you're, yeah, you're daring. Enough, this we're doing guy. this podcast, but we know nothing about either drugs or porn. <laughs> nothing. Well, nothing at all. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, it's insane, and you see. Like, as much as Thomas Jane is an idiot, he shouldn't be there. But Chauncey Wiley, Riley oh, oh. and Wahlberg are just like, what the fuck? Every are we time doing the here? firecracker goes off, they jump as yeah. if it's a gunshot. Oh, what an interesting thing, by the way. Part of the reason that Alfred Molina is not jumping, because apparently they're quite loud, yeah. is he has an earpiece in because he has to hear Sister Christian. Right. So he's not, it's not. So he doesn't react to it. He doesn't react to it, which is great for the I also heard or read that that Paul Simon Sanderson was smacking two by fours together. Yes. In some takes, just just read random moments. Just to keep them Just to keep them Mm -hmm. jumping. Well, this comes from what I've heard from the set of Alien that Ridley Scott was firing starter pistols 
regularly just to keep everyone jumping. <laughs> oh, oh, so I bet that's where I bet Paul Thomas it had Anderson, nothing to do with the story. No. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, it's such I'm, a great scene because it's, oh, it's so yeah. good. It's the ultimate in like your fear of ending up in a situation like that. Like you, you, I remember, and I will say this for the podcast. I had this really insane situation in, in my early twenties where I was dating this girl and we had to go get her uh, brother out of this drug den. And oh, oh. it was, it, it was behind a person's house in a shack, like in this pseudo kind of like place. And we, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I going on this? Like, I don't even remember this girl's name anymore. Like, how did I, I make it to this point? Yeah, how yeah, did I make yeah, it to yeah, this yeah. point, right. right? I'm a military, I was like one year, two years into the military. And here I am jumping over a wooden fence <sighs> into this concrete by a pool and see this huge, and I'm walking with this girl. I'm, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. And I go inside and it is one of the most unsettling things you'll ever see. And then at one point I lose her because she freaks out that she can't find him and she's like running up and down these areas and I'm like, I can't, and then finally find, run, we run, we run and jump over there and get out of there and get him. And I was, this is one of the most insane experiences of my life. And when I see that scene, all it does is trigger uh-huh. me every oh, single time because that's what it feels like, that fear of like impending doom, death. And this in this scene, the shot of Mark Wahlberg when it just stays on him. It's yeah. a fascinating oh, yeah. shot. Which, and that to me is, I'm like, that's when Mark Wahlberg actually has become a fantastic actor yeah. at this point in this movie. Like where, like it is all the wheels spinning through his head mm-hmm. and just where, why am I here? How did I get to this point? Spinning and getting nowhere. Getting yeah. nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like and even, he even like looks down and like shakes his head at one point. Like I'm getting nowhere. You know, yeah. Yeah. like I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And they're still there. And then there's this moment where like, you've gotten away with it. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, you you've got the money. The guy you say you say hey we're all going, right time to go time yep. to go. <laughs> and then this is why you don't hang out with Todd, oh, man. Oh God, don't Todd like you see the twitching on Thomas Jane's face and the just the like his brain has gone round the bend. Yeah. yeah, and he goes give me the money in the safe, and we end up in this crazy gun fu- gunfight. Oh, it's insane. And Thomas Jane mm-hmm. even like he has this With weird laugh. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when he's like <laughs> he's this like weird long laugh? You're like, what is he laughing at? No, yeah. that is the crazy town laugh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've seen that by the way a couple of times with people who had gone round the bend oh. essentially, and they started laughing. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Crazy and town it just laugh. like yeah, it's like no, no, just, no, no, no stop that. <laughs> <laughs> really bad things happen next. <laughs> Let's um, not, not go there. Um, and it's like I love that it's ninety nine loof balloons. Yeah, it's, oh, yes. it's playing. It's just a great choice. Run out of the place. Thomas Jane gets killed running down the street. And I always feel bad. Like John C. Riley, he doesn't even get in the car. Right. I know he just runs into the bushes. Yeah, it's funny. He, he totally runs into, and you're like, what happened to him? And Mark Wahlberg just drives off. Just and drives off. So much for your bromance. Yeah, exactly. well, that's typical Riley's character, though. He yeah. would do something stupid Jumps like into the that. Bushes. He's not the yeah. smartest guy. Yeah. Yeah, apparently yeah. I think they shot like a whole scene helicopters where, and where stuff. the death yeah. of uh, oh, wow, uh, yeah, but they never shot, which yeah. is which is correct. Wow. Like one of the things that he said, you don't about, need that. What? Yeah, exactly. I don't think. I mean, I really don't. One of the things he said about scenes that he cut because the movie he really wanted to be was going to be three hours mm. was he was thinking about he would go, oh, I'm in this scene, I can't wait because that scene's next, and then a new scene, a scene would come up and would surprise him. And he went, oh, I completely forgot about that scene. That's why he cut it. And in a sense, kind of the self-editing that he does in this movie is what makes it so good. Yeah. This movie shouldn't be NC-17. No. I right. don't think. Like, yeah, any right. of the sex scenes, they don't need to be more graphic than yep. they are. Agreed. Because otherwise, you don't need to see his cock either mm-hmm. until the very end. Like, right. it's it's not necessary for the film at all. And if it right. was there, I don't know that it would be as good of a movie. I, 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 I 100% agree. 
I think because the movie is about people. Yeah. The, 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 as, as you said at the beginning, the porn is incidental. Yeah. You know, it's about this strange group of people and wh- where their lives go. Yeah. And, and at this point, we have hit for Dirk Diggler, rock bottom. Yeah. This is, this is a clear rock bottom. And who does he turn to when he hits rock bottom? <laughs> as he goes back to dad. He yeah. goes mm-hmm. back to Jack. And I love that the he comes in shattered and broken into Jack's house, and we're just in an over-the-shoulder. And I know this sounds strange, but there is such a thing as shoulder acting. I no, really no, think acting. so. Backing is that what yeah. they call it? Backing, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it is for real. Mm-hmm. There, are, I mean, shoulders maybe not no, no. so much. Yeah, but hands definitely. It's like. No, it actually really is true. I, I took a fantastic acting class, and, and it really uh, on stage too, like showing your emotions in your back and you inhabiting it in your full body is yeah. so important. I think on camera because you can forget just because the camera's over your back. Oh, I'm not in the scene. I'm not on camera. I'm not going to act. But like, it's so important for scenes like this. Yeah, yeah. and the silent power of that shoulder yeah. in the foreground and the strength of him mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. And then we we kind of come full circle. We're in the '80s. Dirk, we assume, is cleaned up and mm-hmm. he's going to go shoot some porn, and the the families kind of come back together. Yeah, I actually think it's pretty remarkable how quickly Jack does open his arms to Dirk. Yeah. In watching it this time, I mean, Dirk comes in like, "I need some help. I really need some help." And you think about someone coming back who's been a drug addict saying that, and it's like, "Okay, you need some help because you want to go buy some more coke or whatever." Right. But Jack immediately embraces him. And I think that speaks to Wahlberg's performance in that yes. in, the, in that scene because he's very, like you said, earnest earlier yeah. about it. He's very earnest in that scene. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's broken and he he's really like, needs it. He's legitimately coming back, saying, "I get it. I realize what I did. Please help me." Like yeah. he just gets it. Well, we hadn't seen, which maybe it happened, but we hadn't seen a drug addict movie where he, we didn't see constant abuse from Dirk to Jack. Right. Go on. We only saw True. one falling out. This is right. the only time he's at, come yeah. back and asked for yeah. help. It's not like as the far fifth as, time. As far as, as, far as we, know. we know. Yeah. Yeah. As far as we know. And, and the thing too is it says what, this is what Jack's character is, is Jack's a guy who is going to take care of his people. Yep. And in the end, we're, we're really back with our family and we see kind of where everyone's gone. We have, we have Buck now has his stereo store. And again, he's in kind of a new outfit and a new identity. <laughs> um, and we got John C. Riley. What's John C. Riley doing? Magician. Okay. Question about the magic scene, which, which is, I love by the way. It's awesome. Uh, does she accidentally lose her top or on purpose lose her top? Uh, it's funny. Cause I, you, you do see her face where she's like, ah, and she runs yeah. off stage. I think it's on purpose. Personally. I think it's on purpose because yeah. the way he reacts. I think it's on purpose, and it's like a, and it's a, it's part of the performance. Of right. It. I can't tell. I was like going, wait, is it part of the? I don't know what it I is. I think it's part of the porn magic combination. Yeah, right. That's what. And I it's say. a new kind of magician, a porn magician, a porn magician, a por- yeah, a porn, porn magician. Yeah. <laughs> also, so what we, I'm going to be doing after Bones is over now. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Grant Terry, porn, porn magician. magician. <laughs> but I like how happy he is. I, I like how happy he is. Yes. Because Riley's struggle. Riley is just a, his character through the whole film is just a, he's like a notch above Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. He has just enough cool to be in the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, but he's still kind of a, guy, a lost guy through the whole film. He's not a lead necessarily. He thinks he can be a lead. That's why he's lying to himself about the Han Solo thing. Yeah. But he's actually not. And so when he's, when you see how much joy he has doing the magician stuff, you're like, ah, he's found his home. He has actually. Yeah. That's true. Like Buck. He's yeah. become, he's found what he wants to do. Exactly. You know, porn magician, and he still has a little bit of porn in there with the top coming down. Exactly, that's perfect for him. And his yeah. moves, by the way, his dance moves oh, in that. I was watching this when we when I just yes. watched it for this, and I'm like, the choreography for that is beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. it's all one shot, and he does these beautiful movements around. Yeah, and like well, that was he, practiced very well. He he's it's amazingly perfectly awkwardly cool. Right, yes. exactly. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. that's not easy to do. No, 
And then we get our final scene, which is kind of almost a raging bullish monologue to <laughs> yes. myself in the mirror. Yeah, yes. totally. Which is bizarre and strange and perfect and Dirk Diggler-ish. Yeah. yeah. Like within his construct of his world, yep. this is awesome. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Does some karate moves. Does some karate moves. <laughs> and and then we have our final shot of, of showing his finally seeing the big yeah. cock. And I have to tell you a story about this. So <laughs> I actually never said how I saw the movie. It's not a very interesting story. I saw it in theater. I loved it. But the interesting story is another person who saw the movie and called me up was my grandmother. My grandmother Whoa. always went to see movies. And she's calling in right now. <laughs> and she's calling in, sadly, from the grave. You know? um, but she, she called me up and said, so I, oh, I saw Boogie Nights. And I'm like, oh, okay, what'd you think of yeah. that? And I'm like, I didn't really want to talk to my grandmother about Boogie yeah. Nights. And she said, I swear to God, the first thing she said is, that's not real, right? And I went... <laughs> What do you mean? She said that when they at the end of the movie, when they, with his the penis, the long penis, that can't be real. It is like there's no penis. She was very insistent that no penis could be that long. And I was like, I can't really have this conversation with you. I'm really sorry, but I said I believe that it is film magic that that is yeah. not actually Mark Wahlberg's penis, right? And and it's not. Well, what's great in the Grantland thing is they talk about him going down and doing a casting, a yeah. cast of his cock, yeah. like uh, a cock cast, yeah, yeah, cock cast. Yeah, they went yeah. to this warehouse and they did the whole thing and put plaster on it, all the whole nine. It's fascinating how far they were willing to go with this thing. And they yeah. talked about actually making it like way too big. Yeah. Right. And they were like, that's, that's, that's like unbelievable. And like almost alarming. Right. And they were like, we need to, <laughs> we need to like pull it back a little bit. Like, it has to be, it, yeah. they picked the right side. Yeah, exactly. Well, and again, movie making is weird. Yeah. yeah. And like there are weird things that you do. And one weird thing is getting a cock cast. Yeah. yeah. And another weird thing is having a long, probably intellectual discussion about the exact length and girth of Dirk Diggler's or possibly fast. This size, this size. No, no, not that one. The other one. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you're like, is it cold out? What's yeah. the, you know, what's <laughs> the situation? Um, so, so Mike, what are your final thoughts on Boogie Nights? I mean, I really do believe after talking about this, that it is a film about family and it is inspiring in a sense mm -hmm. to, to be with a group of people who knows what they want to do and how to get there. And for me, it's, it's one of the most influential movies on me, for me as a creator and as an artist, um, because I think all of these performances are so well-defined and so relatable in a sense, even though I don't work in the porn industry. <laughs> yet they're relatable <laughs> uh, John what are your final thoughts yeah Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite directors bar none my Punch Drunk Love is sitting right there in Criterion mm. right on my desk I mean these are one of these his films There Will Be Blood all these films that he does are so powerful the master they carry so much weight to them no matter what topic he tackles right he finds what's really going on underneath he finds the humanity and the ugliness as well and then lets the characters play out in their decisions and their choices. What you see in this film is what's so it's, it's what I love about him. He does that. Yes, they do porn. Porn is irrelevant. It's about them trying. They're lost. They're all lost trying to figure out where they belong. And how many of us in this world have that journey in our lives as well? And that's what makes the film so relatable and so transcendent and and generate multi generational. You can show this thirty years from now. It'll still be effective. It'll still work. You know that what they're going through. And I love the journey of him realizing he, he when he hits the top and then falling down and then realizing where he belongs like he matures he becomes an adult that's what happens you get cocky you get knocked down you figure it out and if you have any brain in your head you know where you belong and you go there and i think that's what's so great about the film it leaves you with that good feeling can i say something too i think that it's uh really interesting that this is also 
this film starts a journey for Paul Thomas Anderson yes, into into this type mm-hmm. of thing of yeah. of, uh, of someone being lost and trying to find their way yep. in, in many other films. And it's what's so fascinating to me about him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And that is fascinating to me as an actor, too, that kind of character. Yeah. There's so many things to talk about with this film. I mean, obviously, this is at the very beginning of one of our great directors, a great unique directors. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, it's going to be a journey. Yeah. And it's going to take you emotionally a place that maybe you're not expecting. This is one of the great ensemble casts I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And all of their performances. There's not a weak moment in the movie. Agreed. But the thing I keep coming back to is the lack of judgment. That, mm-hmm. that frequently when we come into a film, we come in with, I know better. You know, as, as you know, what, whatever situation we look at, we come in with the position of, oh, I know what's wrong with these people. Mm-hmm. And that's not how this film is made. This film is made about a world that most of our quote unquote normal society has tremendous judgment about. And Paul Thomas Anderson's way of dealing with that world is entirely with love. Yeah. yeah. You know, even, you know, some of these people, maybe they're not so smart. Some of these people make poor choices. Some of these people are a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. but there's no sense of, them being bad. It's always sensitive to them. It's always loving yeah. towards them. And that's in a tremendous way to approach a film, you know, and also a tremendous way for us to kind of think about the other people maybe we interact with in the world with. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's maybe they're not that bright. Maybe they're making strange choices. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're dealing with drugs and problems and but we could still approach them without judgment and with some some love. And yeah. and that's it's a pretty remarkable film. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's how we feel about Boogie Nights. We would love to hear how you feel about Boogie Nights. Try to keep it clean, depending on the venue. You can visit <laughs> us on Facebook. You could see us. Uh, it's at the Cinephiles. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. Uh, you can reach me at S.R. Morris on Twitter. John, where can they reach you? You guys can always reach me at The Roca Says, R-O-C-H-A. Uh, you know, and also, please leave comments on iTunes Leave comments like, please, we need those ratings. We need those iTunes comments. They help us move up. As Steve has been a champion for this for weeks. I will take up the mantle as well and say that too. These really help. If you're a top 10 show fan and you've come over to become a Cinephiles fan, you remember how much those things, those comments and those ratings helped us on iTunes. Please give us the same consideration. And if you hear this and you go, oh, well, I already left them a five-star comment. Well, first of all, thank you. Yes. But also... <laughs> That's not all you can do because you can tweet at iTunes or at iTunes yeah. podcast. There's other shows like Pop Culture Happy Hour that I'm desperately trying to get them to make us one of their things that make you happy. So mm-hmm. go contact them. There are other places. Start spreading the world. Tell your friends. Get on your own Twitter account yeah. because we need to get more listeners. Yep. Uh, Mike, where can they reach you if people want to reach you in the world? The MGT at Inst- on Instagram or uh, LLMGT on Twitter. LLMGT on yes. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. It's been so nice having you on the show. <laughs> it's been awesome, guys. Thank it's you, It's a lot Michael. of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so that's it for this week, and we will see you next time on The Cinephiles. <laughs> <laughs>